0: You can't handle the truth! Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself! (laughs) You're going to need a bigger boat. Get away from her,
1: you bitch!
0: The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! yippee motherfucker! Hi, and welcome to the first episode of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast of 2019. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer.
1: And I'm your other host, Manny Manuel.
0: God, we are both so excited to be here. <laughs> oh, man, I have missed this so much. How was your holiday, Manny? Uh, it, top three all time. Top three all time. Top three all time, yep. I don't have my rankings handy at the moment, but mine is pretty good too. Awesome. Got to go back to the old hometown, spend it with family. I know you were doing the same. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> but if there's one thing the holiday was missing, it was a little bit of one-on-one time, a little bit of uh, Samuel and Manuel movie talk. I that's know. That's what we're here to do today, and boy, do we have an episode planned. Manny, what are we talking about today?
1: Uh, today is going to be our first ever mailbag episode. We have... We have 10 questions for some reason I want to say 12 we have 10 <laughs> questions lined up for uh, you and I to answer and go over and debate and ponder um, but before we dive into that I want to talk about uh, let our fans know about our social media please uh, you can follow us on Instagram and twitter at uh, sam underscore manny underscore movie please remember to like uh, and subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Please leave us a review to increase our profile. Tell your friends about us, spread the word, and, uh, let's get the word out on this, uh, fantastic podcast. Uh, that's about it.
0: Yeah. So, um, before we get into the mailbag stuff, yeah. uh, should touch base on movie news, movie stuff and things. Uh, yeah. it, is, it is January 8th as we we're recording this around 10 PM here in Calgary, Alberta, um, Golden Globes were a couple of days ago. Man, did you watch the ceremony?
1: I, uh, I, I didn't in full. Uh, I tuned in a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> I gave up on the Golden Globes uh, a long time ago. Um, but for some reason, I can't, uh, I can't fully uh, stop watching them. Um, the Golden Globes are a fucking joke. <laughs> a pure fucking joke. Um and every year they continue to really fucking upset me with the, uh, the choices they make, both in the nominees and with the winners. Uh, I fucking hate them. Uh, this year was a glaring example of how incredibly fucking stupid they are. Um, I recently found out, um, for those of you that don't know, the Golden Globes, while it seems to be given the same type of prestige as the Oscars, people should know that the Golden Globes are voted on by the Hollywood Forum Press Association and that is a group of people that number in the range of under a hundred there's less than a hundred people voting on these awards as opposed to the over 7,000 people in the Academy and the people in the Academy are members of the industry they are actors Actresses, directors, cinematographers, producers, sound mixers. These are people that know what they're talking about. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association are international critics. None of them are even from the U.S. They are stupid. And this year's winners were very upsetting to the point where I wish I hadn't watched because talking about them now, I'm literally clenching my fists fucking hate the Golden Globes.
0: But at least they got uh, best motion picture drama right this holy, year, right? That's the main thing.
1: Holy fuck. <laughs> holy fuck.
0: I've been waiting so long. To, I've been waiting two days to talk to you about this. How did you feel? How did you feel when Bohemian Rhapsody was announced as uh, best motion picture in the drama category?
1: So I was sitting in this very spot. I was watching the Golden Globes on my computer. I was also uh, playing my super nerdy baseball game. And uh, the category comes up, so I stop playing. And I they start rattling off the nominees, um, which uh,
0: I off the top of my head, I can't name all five. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. And by the way, before you go any further, can we just agree that Black Panther even being nominated is ridiculous? I actually
1: can't agree on that.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I I mean, we did a Black Panther episode, but I just... I don't see it. I really don't. It's I, a it's a perfectly fine superhero movie. It's definitely in the top third of Marvel movies. Um, yeah, one of the top five best dramas of the year. I don't think so. I, uh, yeah.
1: I can't really argue that point. My only the, the the only reason I like its inclusion is because of the the cultural relevance uh, of that movie. Um, it's the it's a the funny thing is is, is that movie. Uh, could almost be an answer to one of our mailbag questions. Um, yeah, it's a little it, preview there. Yeah, it, a little bit, a, a little bit. But it's the the cultural impact of Black Panther is actually much more massive than actually you and I can even comprehend. Um, so its inclusion on these nominees doesn't bother me. Um, it winning would, um, but the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody fucking travesty of a film wins best drama was a fucking slap in the face to the other four movies. Now, I haven't seen Black Klansman. I own it, but I haven't watched it yet. I will be watching it um, very soon. Um, But Bohemian Rhapsody is a fucking mess of a movie. A fucking mess of a movie. And it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. Oh god, I fucking... (laughs) The more that this movie seems to do at some of these awards it makes me like it less and i didn't even hate it but i'm starting to because it's not good
0: dare i say is it uh shakespeare in love level
1: i like Mm. shakespeare in love more than i fucking like bohemian rhapsody
0: could you imagine could you imagine at the oscars Uh, i don't even want to finish that sentence but you know where i'm going i do know where you're going that won't happen It won't. It won't have. Absolutely, will not have. No. And like probably, probably doesn't get nominated. Although, I mean, there are up to ten nominations for best picture at the uh, at the Oscars. So if it gets
1: if it gets nominated for best picture, I will honestly be stunned. Stunned. Mm -hmm. Stunned. Um, Remy Malek winning best actor. I'm. It bothers me a little bit. I found his performance to be good, but. I don't even think I would nominate him in Best Actor of the Year.
0: So he beat out Bradley Cooper for Star Is Born, Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate, Lucas Hedges for Boy Erased, and John David Washington for Black Klansman. Uh, Lucas Hedges, I really like that he's at least getting recognition. I really liked him in Manchester by the Sea and a bunch of other... Sort of Oscar bait movies that he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I like that he's getting nominated, and again, I I'm only stalling by saying these things because I haven't seen any of these got movies, not yet. <laughs> I'm still yet to start my Oscar watching, but yeah, uh, I, I've heard nothing but good things about Rami Malek's performance, though. I've, I've I've heard it's it's quite good. Yeah,
1: it is it is quite good. But like, and, but the the five people you just named, those are just the th- those are the five nominees for best actor in a drama. There's other That's other right. five actors for musical or comedy, and one of those is Christian Bale in Vice, and he's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Bradley uh, Cooper in A Star is Born is jaw-dropping. Like, there's some really great performances this year.
0: I, mean, I didn't know John C. Riley got a nomination for uh, actor in a musical or comedy. I, yeah. He's actually, like, a really underrated serious actor. He gets a lot of shit for the comedies he's in, but he's an underrated serious actor. It's crazy.
1: Complete side note, On speaking of uh, John C. Riley and his comedy, Um, so apparently that new uh, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell movie, Holmes, Holmes and Watson, I think it's called. Holmes and Watson is epically bad, like epically bad. So I've heard. A friend of mine went there with his wife, and he said he's like he told me he's not like a huge movie buff like us, but he like as everybody they go to movies they watch movies. He said during this movie. Four couples walked out. Wow,
0: that's that's sad for me to hear, actually, because I like John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. I know you're not a Will Ferrell guy, no. but I I like. Um, as far as I know, they've starred in two movies together before this. That'd be Talladega Nights and Step Brothers, and I own both of those movies. Uh, Talladega Nights is sort of a, a guilty pleasure, I guess, and Step Brothers I think is just a really good comedy. Um, I'm sure you'll have your uh, disagreements on that, yeah, 100% but it makes, makes me sad to hear that this movie is such a steaming turd.
1: Yeah, I've heard nothing but but it being a massive steaming turd.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, so
1: that's my side note on that. Uh, but yeah, John C. Riley's actually really good. Like He got uh, a nomination for, I think, The Hours, uh, and he's really good in that. I think he has another. Oh, I think he got nominated for Chicago as well.
0: Yeah, well, wasn't it 2002 the year, uh, whatever year Chicago won Best Picture? Wasn't he in like three of the Best Picture nominees? He was in like Chicago, Gangs of New York, and like he was just in every good movie that year. I can't remember exactly what year that was. But, oh, that's a
1: good point. Yeah, yeah. John C. Riley, when he wants to be a a serious actor, does a good job of it. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my take on on the Golden Globes. I was shaking with fury at the end of it. I, I was so mad when Bohemian Rhapsody won, I turned it off. I'm like, I don't even want to hear their fucking acceptance speech. Go fuck yourself.
0: Yeah. I just, uh, on, a, on a closing note, I guess, I got to give one last shout-out to uh, Elsie Fisher getting nominated for uh, Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Obviously, she was never going to win, but uh, I, I had, to, had to give her one last shout-out and was, was happy to at least see her nominated. Uh, she, of course, lost to Olivia Coleman for They're The, the Favourite. Yeah. And she was she was up against uh two of our girlfriends, uh yours, uh Charlize Theron and mine, Emily Blunt. <laughs> Love me some Emily Blunt.
1: Oh, how can you not? Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's my Golden Globes rant. Uh I'm I'm thank you for letting me get off my chest. I apologize to our listeners for uh an angry Manny, uh that will change here quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope so. As we dive into our first ever mailbag episode.
0: That's right. First ever mailbag episode, and we'd like to give a big thanks to the two people who submitted questions for these. <laughs> it was really a lot of fun going through your questions. So, <laughs> Yeah, the
1: questions, were actually, I, I, the, the questions posed were actually really good, uh, and Sam's not lying. We actually only did get questions from two people, um, but thankfully the questions that they asked were actually really, really good.
0: Yeah, we actually have a pretty good lineup, and I was—I I knew as I was preparing for this episode that this was going to be an interesting uh, conversation. I'm curious. This is one of our first ones, I think, where we haven't talked about a specific movie. I mean, we have done it before, but not for a while, but I'm interested to see how it goes. I think it's going to be good.
1: Yeah, as well. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, the first question, and Sam, will get you to lead off. What's sure. your biggest pet peeve about watching a film in the
0: theater? You know, I'm a pretty tolerant person, Manny. I, uh, I I let others do what they do in most aspects of life. But the movie theater is a sacred place. Oh, and... I fucking love that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... Like, my... I'm not a rude per I'm such a pussy because I won't call anyone out on these things. Very, very rarely will I call people out on these things. But um, the, the most... The most tame, I guess, that I'll start with is the sticky floors. I hate the sticky floors when they're not cleaned properly. Walking down the hall, ho- that's the first thing, first and foremost. It's no- nobody's fault, really, except maybe a poor janitor's. Um, I, the ringing cell phone, again, slightly more tame or, on the tame side of my pet peeves just because it's it, it can happen. You can forget to turn off your cell phone. As long as, you, as long as you don't answer it, you know, I'm okay with it. But there's one that I think you're going to share, and that's talking for any reason to anyone listen if you need to whisper to your to your friend hey, like i like i if you have a like under your breath whatever make one little comment i don't need your commentary i don't need you speaking louder than the movie i don't need you jabbering through the entire thing if you are talking in a movie what you are telling me is that your stupid little joke to your buddy is more important than my experience of the movie and I fucking hate it. It really pisses me off. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that, that's about it. I'm sure you have about the same list, probably.
1: Uh, yeah, except for the sticky floors. I actually I haven't experienced sticky floors in actually quite a long time. And I really? I, I remember sticky floors, but it's actually oh, no, been I... a very long time since I've experienced sticky floors. And I do I, I concur. They are annoying. Um, yeah. But it's actually been so long that I ha- actually had it completely been erased from my memory.
0: I think uh, last theater experience I had, I had sticky floors and it uh, it ruined the whole thing. I mean, it didn't ruin the whole thing, but it definitely made me angry.
1: Understandable. Um, the ringing of cell phones, um, honestly, I can't remember the last time that's happened
0: for me. It's actually been a long time. I think people, people are sort of aware, and the warnings at the beginning of the movies definitely help for those people who just sort of forget. The people definitely are better. I'm always sure to have my phone. I never turn my phone off, I definitely have it on airplane mode, and I have it on silent.
1: Yeah, same. Um, the other, uh, the other one that bothers me, but uh, and it's one of the it is well no I shouldn't say one of it's it, no it's one of the main reasons where I choose to sit where I sit is people kicking the back of my chair. Fuck. So you sit at the back? I generally do about ninety percent of the time. I try and get the back row.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay. Um, I used to actually prefer to be about seventy-five, eighty percent of the way up in in, the, in in stadium seating. I'll sit there um, in old style movie theater seating where it's not it's not stadium, so it's a little bit more a little bit more of a gradual incline. Yeah. Um, I actually sit a lot closer to the front, so people can't sit in front of me. Well, uh, like okay. we like we have a, the old theater here in Kamloops, the Paramount Theater. Um, I usually end up sitting about four rows from the front at that one wow. because I don't want people sitting
0: in front of me. Well the good thing about the Paramount is that you can generally choose whatever seat you want. I can't remember the last time I went there and there was more than 10 people in there. Actually the last two
1: times I've gone there's actually been quite a few.
0: Well it's good like, they generally get the more like niche or like Oscar movies, don't they?
1: Yeah, and it's fucking it's wicked um, and it's really nice that I'm seeing a lot of people there as well so hopefully it will continue. To do that,
0: yeah. Um, which, well, I, I think last couple of years, like I saw Ladybird at, at Paramount, uh, I saw I think Birdman, I saw at Paramount, and like a couple other uh, Oscar bait movies and a couple other winners, but yeah, yeah. oh, how I miss Kamloops. Uh, no. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, obviously, the biggest pet peeve for me is talking. Um, I do tend to talk during the movie, but. It is a point where I lean in as close to my friend as possible and whisper. Because I don't ever want to um, interrupt or um, diminish somebody else's theater experience. Completely. Because I... I,
0: Go ahead, sir. I was just like... I'm not suggesting that you go into a theater and sit quietly like a monk... For two hours. Like, it's not, not what I'm saying. It's just, I think that's sort of how I was coming off, but it's really not what I'm saying. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the full blown conversation about, oh, Hugh Jackman, I haven't seen him in a movie in a while. Isn't he Wolverine? And just like, just full on conversations in the theater. If you, if you have something to say about the movie to your buddy and you want to say it under your breath, quietly, I'm total, do it. Like, just get it over with. But like, when it gets to the point where it gets distracting, that's when I start to have a problem.
1: Yes, and um, I, I recently went to movies uh, with one of my best friends, T-Bone. We went and saw Widows, a uh, fantastic movie. It was at the Paramount, um, and there was a gentleman there that he decided, I won't lie, I, I, I probably would have given Widows an even higher rating, but this guy really soiled the experience for me because he continually talked, and I'm just like you. I didn't have the nuts to say anything, but this is the closest I've ever come saying something because the man was unrelenting in his commentary at times on the movie. And he wasn't saying it even in like in the type in the in the volume that we're talking right now. He was making a point that he wanted to be the star of the show. He was Fuck drawing off. attention to himself on purpose. And it was excruciating.
0: That bothers me. That yeah. bothers me a lot. Um Did I- did I tell you about, I think I mentioned this forever ago when we were doing our Black Panther episodes uh, back in, like, whatever that was, March or April, um, but I had a couple when I was watching uh, yes. Black Panther, at uh, the Cineplex in Kamloops uh, have a full-on fucking domestic, they, they had a full-on just argument about, like, I can't even remember what it was about, I'm sure it was, it was something stupid and petty, but they were yelling at each other in the middle of the theater, and I missed, like, a solid 15 minutes of the movie. Because this couple was just yelling at each other, God, it was just the least enjoyable. In retro- in retrospect, maybe I would have liked Black Panther a little bit more <laughs> had I caught those fifteen minutes. I think that's one that's going to need a rewatch uh, now that we're getting into Oscar season, among the many, many, many others. But yeah, that's that was about the worst experience I've ever had.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I've had a couple bad ones, but yeah, people talking um, is definitely, easily, hands down, my biggest pet peeve of, of going to the theater. But even then, even when somebody's talking in the movie theater, the magic of being in a movie theater for me is I'm instantly transported back to being a kid. I am every single time I go to the movies, I am giddy, I'm excited, I'm just filled with joy. I love being at the movie
0: theater. Well, that's a nice little segue right there because uh, the next question is, I think, a quintessential part of the movie theater experience um, not, well, not just the theater, but also at home and just really in general, um, your favorite snack or, uh, snack, drink, food, whatever to watch a movie with, uh, what do you typically go with?
1: I'm actually going to do this in two parts cause I'm going oh. to, cause actually it, it splits into two for me. Cause actually what I drink and eat differs when I'm at the theater than when I'm at home.
0: It's funny because you've also bragged to me in the past uh, that it even changes depending on the theater that you go to. Yes,
1: uh. <laughs> it does, actually. That's funny because I, I didn't even think of that until right now. Yeah, definitely, it definitely does. Yeah, that's um, funny. So at the movie theaters, I, it's pretty standard. Uh, popcorn and a Coke. Um, I'll sometimes order a candy, um, but I don't really get to it because if I'm at the Cineplex in Kamloops, their popcorn is so goddamn delicious, it's pretty much all I gorge on while I'm there. And then I need the Coca-Cola to wash it down with and because Coca-Cola is the nectar of the gods. If I'm at the Paramount Theater, I will only order the popcorn if I'm extremely snacky for the popcorn because their popcorn down there is not good. It is uh, unflavored. Um, It's basically I could get the same kind of popcorn with a hot air popper at home. Um, So it it lacks the the movie, buttery goodness that I'm looking for. So it's really rare that when I'm at the Paramount that I will order popcorn. I'll usually order a Coke and some type of snack, usually like Sour Patch Kids. When I'm at home, it is usually Coca-Cola or iced tea.
0: And... You have other drinks other than Coca Cola in your fridge. Yes. That's news to me. Yes. I know. Were you Were you not wearing a Coca Cola hoodie when we started this show? <laughs> by the way, <laughs> when we started this episode,
1: hundred yeah. percent true. <laughs>
0: yeah. And you've since shed it. You've since shed that hoodie and are now wearing a Boston Red Sox shirt. If the If those aren't the two articles <laughs> of clothing that define you, I don't know what is. It's so true. I, I should just give you my Pulp Fiction shirt. Oh, I have one. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. God.
1: Um um so it's coca iced tea when I'm at home. Um and then my snacks tend to vary a little bit, but it, it is um it's so funny like I, I don't I don't really eat a lot of pop- I I don't mind the popcorn at home like the microwave popcorn there's some actually really good microwave popcorn, but um I usually only will eat the popcorn if I'm having somebody else over, like a friends are over, and they want the popcorn. Then I'll make it and I'll share it with them. But if I'm by myself, then it's usually either Jujubes or Jelly Bellies. Really? Or, or gummy worms. Yep.
0: I feel like I'm just getting to know you. <laughs> you. You think you know somebody, and then you find out they're they're at home movie snacks. That is something, my friend. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So that those are those. That's uh, that's mine, uh, Samuel.
0: Tell us yeah. about yours. So, movie theater is pretty standard. You basically nailed it. It's uh, it's popcorn and a Coke almost every time. Uh, that being said, I will, uh, if I'm feeling especially uh, adventurous any given day, you know, I'll switch it from, from Coke to root beer to Sprite to iced tea, you know, whatever. But more often than not, nine times out of ten, I'm getting the, the Coke and popcorn. Um, my candy of choice, if you're getting the old uh, Cineplex combo... Uh, is also the Sour Patch Kid, so I'm, I'm glad we can at least agree on that. Uh, occasionally, I, I like to uh, I like to get the M and M's and mix them in with the popcorn. I'm one of those animals. T Bone does that. Yeah. Tell me honestly,
1: did you yeah. do it before Whiplash or after? <laughs> I did it after. I knew it. it. I Flash. fucking knew it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Except he did it with milk duds, I think. think yes. mean, his dad did it with milk milk duds. <laughs> God, good cash. That is, nothing gets past you. Uh, <laughs> um, I-, I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, I'll get to the to the at home snacks as well. But uh, when it comes to the popcorn, butter or no butter?
1: I'm a no yeah. butter. I'm a no butter person.
0: You're a no butter guy. See, that's where you and I differ. I am a layered butter person. Yeah. I. I do not take care of this body, uh, in spite of how it might look, ladies. Uh, <laughs> I'm completely kidding. Uh, yeah, I fill my body with absolute trash, and uh, the feeder butter definitely makes that list. I am a feeder buttered guy. I uh,
1: yeah, I I prefer mine without butter, but um, if it's uh, again, if I'm sharing with somebody and they prefer butter, then I I will put it on there, and uh, I'm not I'm not opposed to butter. I just prefer mine without. If I, again, if I'm sharing with somebody and they are a butter person, I can. Uh, it, I don't even. It's not even sucking it up because it's not that I don't like it with butter. I just prefer it without.
0: Uh, what do you make of the monsters who season their popcorn with like that salt and vinegar, like dill pickle, like those seasoning salts? Oh, are, like my
1: friend Mushhead that does that. Yeah, it's yeah. a
0: fucking travesty. It is an absolute disgrace to uh, to filmmaking, in my opinion. But that's yep. just that's just me. Uh, <laughs> slight overreaction. Um, at home, uh, usually it's the same. I, I, like, uh, I like popcorn and Coke. Occasionally, I, I know you're not, uh, you're not a drinker. Occasionally, I'll pop a beer, depending on the type of movie. Uh, if it's just a, a, cool laid-back comedy or action movie, occasionally I'll have a drink. When I was rewatching the Die Hard movies for, uh, for our episode, I was having a rum and eggnog with my friends. Um, overall, it's usually just, uh, the old popcorn and Coke again. I like uh, going to the corner store and loading up on junk food occasionally, though. I I love me some uh, some Doritos. I love me some chips and salsa. I am just the biggest pig with all sorts of junk food. I got a total sweet tooth. I talked about Sour Patch Kids, but I do Sour Cherry Blasters. I do Sweet Tarts. I do uh, those little five-cent candies that you can't get anymore for whatever reason uh, because people were stealing them probably. Yeah, it was just... uh, I am a, I'm a machine, and usually by the end of an at-home movie, my stomach feels like it's going to explode.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so that wraps up that question.
0: It does, yes.
1: Moving on, Sam, who's your favorite person to watch a movie with?
0: It, it's funny. When, uh, when I read this question, it occurred to me that you and I have never watched a movie together. I,
1: I know. That's so, that's so funny. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> Sam and I have never watched a
0: movie together. That's so weird. Not even when I lived in Kamloops, we never went, like, hey, you want to go to the theater and, like, catch... <laughs> I know. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> even when we started the podcast, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I was going to a lot of movies with my roommate. I've since... Uh, he's since moved out, so I am in need of a new movie buddy here in Calgary. Um, back home in Kamloops, uh, my my family, um, my brother was always my go-to movie buddy, um, and, and my dad. I, I've... My brother and I, anybody who knows us, just we will quote old stupid comedies just endlessly. Uh, This includes Dumb and Dumber, Manny. Um, But, yeah, I I would say of everybody, my brother and my dad are probably my go-to movie people, Um, and I am currently on the hunt for more here in Calgary. Got a a couple of friends who, you know, go to the odd movie with, but nobody who's really, like, a diehard movie buff.
1: For me, it's T-Bone, hands down. Uh, is my best friend. So everything that I do with him is always fun. Uh, one of the things I love about T Bone, he's he's uh, he likes movies, but he's not uh, he's not a movie buff like like we are. So one of the things I love is that <clears> T <throat> Bone's willing to just go see whatever I want to see, and that's not one of the reasons I like going with him. But sometimes, like when I took him to Widows, he just wanted to see a movie. He didn't even he'd never heard of it. He didn't even know what it was about. And then what I love is after the movie I'll be like, "What'd you think?" And he's like, hey, "He's like, I really liked it. I'm so glad I came. I love that kind of stuff. I love, I love, the surprises and stuff like that. Um, Tibo and I have a good time at the movies. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll of course lean over to one another, make little jokes every once in a while. Um, and you then, ever get
0: shushed? sorry, do you ever get shushed?
1: No, because we we, because we're because la- we're laughing, it, it's not. <laughs> It's, we we keep it pretty low key, yeah. Um, and recently, uh, our other uh, one of my other uh, best friends, uh, Mushhead, as I like to call her, because uh, she had a concussion, uh, so she's got a mush brain now. <clears throat> she's uh, started joining us at the movie theater uh, when time permits, and she's a lot of fun to go with. Even though at times she tends to speak up a little too loud, um, but as the- <laughs> As an example, is when the, we went and saw Aquaman. And there's a, a character in the movie who's, uh, whose name is Black Manta. Um, but it was a little muffled when he said it. And she was so angry and indignant. She's like, that's not Black Panther. <laughs> she was so mad. It was fucking good. I, like, I laughed out loud hard in the theater when she said that. <laughs> i I leaned over I'm like, it's Black manta, not Black Panther she's like, oh, <clears throat> so even though she tends to speak a little bit louder than, than than what I would prefer at the movie theater, she still makes me laugh a lot uh, so it's she makes it enjoyable um she's a lot of fun to go in movies with, um so yeah, it, the easy answer for me it, it's t bone and mushhead
0: um manny, yeah. What is the last movie you'd watch if you were about to die?
1: This one I had to think about, and I, I really like this question. Um, so if I was about to die, um, for those that know me, everybody thinks that they know what I'm going to answer, um, but they'd be wrong.
0: Um, so, wait, 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 it's not Pulp Fiction. That is correct. Situation. Okay. That is correct. Uh, the answer is The Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, I like that. Um, I recently rewatched that, by the way. Fuck, is that a good movie. I watched it over the holidays when I was in Kamloops. Honestly,
1: I think in my opinion, it's a perfect film. A mm-hmm. perfect film. Um, if I was about to die, I would want to watch something that um, pretty much offers me everything I'm looking for in a movie. Um brilliant acting, amazing scenes great cinematography and just a, an absolutely powerful and uplifting ending um, and if I was about to die I'd, wanted, I'd, wanted, I'd want to go out feeling good about life and humanity and the Shawshank Redemption um, definitely uh, uh, gives you that in spades it, I, 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 I fucking love that movie
0: yeah, I, that's actually a way better answer than mine. But I, I kind of went to I kind of went a similar route with it. I, I mean, for the record, I'd like to steal your answer, and that's better than mine. But uh, I, I went a similar route. I, I just thought about some of the most optimistic movies you can think of that will just re just give you give you faith for the future and and leave you in this world on a happy note. Uh, I chose It's a Wonderful Life. <gasps> oh,
1: good answer.
0: Yeah, It's a Wonderful Life is just my go-to feel-good, feel-happy movie. Uh, I'm really upset with myself for not making the time to watch it over the holidays. I've been contemplating just doing it anyway, even though it's January 8th right now. Um, and not around the Christmas time, but yeah. I uh, It's a Wonderful Life is just one of the most optimistic feel-good movies out there, and that would be my go-to.
1: Oh, that's a brilliant choice, my friend. Brilliant choice, Yeah. You make so, me
0: feel a lot better about it. Shawshank is better, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think those are both two fantastic answers. Uh, yep. I, I love that you picked that one. Good, That's a good call, sir. Good mm-hmm. call. Um, next up, have you ever walked out on a movie at the theater? If so, what was it?
0: Uh, th- this This question depressed me because I ended up going through all of the shitty movies in my head that I've paid money to see, and I don't think I ever have. I don't think I have ever walked out of one of these steaming turds of a movie that I have seen. Um, I like to give movies a fair shake, even when they're not working out in the beginning. Um, I I think part of it is probably the fact that now that movies are so expensive to go see in theaters, and there's just a wealth of options to watch them at home, the selection process is really a lot more thorough. There's not as much, in my opinion, there's not as much these days of people just going, eh, let's go to a movie, let's go see whatever. Mm-hmm. People sort of know what they want to see, and they, and they have an idea of what they want out of the experience. So for, for a combination of reasons, I, I've actually discovered uh, through introspection that I am incapable of walking out of even the worst of movies. I do have a couple that I have not walked out of that are just just, essentially a list of the worst movies I've ever seen in theaters, and this is an idea of just how resilient I am against bad filmmaking. Um, Off the top of my head, the worst movies, at least in recent memory, that I have seen but not walked out on and paid to see in theaters, Transformers 4, Grown Ups 2, Fantastic Four, the Miles Teller one, Uh, recently, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and I don't know if this one's quite as bad, because I haven't seen it in a long, long time, but do you remember that shitty robot boxing movie with Hugh Jackman called Real Steel? Sure do. That's one of the first movies... I was probably, like, 13 when that movie came out, and that was one of the first movies I went to where I was like, man, I really don't want to sit through the rest of this. <laughs> like, this is really bad. Yeah, that's, that's just off the top of my head uh, some of the worst movies I've ever paid to see, and I stuck through all of those bad boys.
1: So some of the movies that I've paid to see and sat through um I, and th- I'm now uh, I'm kind of stealing your list because yeah. there is one movie that I did walk out on. Um, um but I'm going to finish with that one. So some of the ones that I stayed with, these two that I'm going to name first were not chosen by me to see. They were chosen by a friend of mine who I don't want to say made me go, but it was a, I, it was his turn to pick a movie, and despite my protestations and telling him that these movies were going to be shitty, we still went, and at the end of the movie, I got to do "When I told you so, and he admitted he was wrong, and even though I continually tell him that you should listen to me because I know what I'm talking about, he refused to listen to me and continued to make us go see shitty movies. So uh, Avatar, the Last Airbender. Oh, yeah, I was I was stuck in a movie theater. Uh, that one, I I I I won't lie, I would have walked out on, but it was his fucking birthday, and that's birthday. the mo- that's the movie he picked, and I was like, "You're an idiot, stop picking movies." Um, Ten thousand
0: BC. Oh, I haven't seen that one, but I've heard it's a fucking turd.
1: I won't lie, it was so shitty. This and but there was an absolute highlight part of the movie i think it was about 20 minutes in we're sitting there and it was uh me <coughs> my friend trevor <coughs> my again the the friend that picked the movie and my uh my ex-wife julie we were there I, I there might have been a couple other people with us but these are the three main players is uh we're sitting there and we're realizing what a fucking turd of a film this is and the sound cuts out And so there was, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 people in the theater. Me, Julie, and Trevor start to dub the movie for the people in the theater. We started playing parts and making our own dialogue as the movie went along. And I won't lie, our version was much better. Uh, And uh, I won't, not to toot my own horn, but I'd say a good maybe eight, nine people thought it was pretty funny. We got some solid chuckles.
0: You got a future in screenwriting.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, no. It was all off the cuff. It was. It kind of. It, it made us laugh, and then either somebody uh, actually wanted to watch this movie, um, or were tired of us talking, and quickly ran out of the theater uh, and told them that the sound was out and it returned back on, and we were unfortunately left to watch this shithole of a movie. Um, the other one that I was closest to walking out on um, was the second Transformers movie. Which was a... I, I,
0: I have to confess, even though Transformers Four is the worst in my opinion of all of those, I was a teenager once. I sat through the first four Transformers movies in theaters, and I am not not happy to admit that.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had to I had to sit through the first two. I'm trying to think if I had to do the third. I think it was after the second one where I told. Uh, I told Julie and I and whoever else I was with, I'm like, I'm not doing this again. I'm like, I I know I'm a shitty friend because I make you guys come to my movies. But side note, most of the time the movies I pick are pretty fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm I can't do this. I'm like, it's a fucking travesty. These movies are a fucking an absolute shit mess storm of fucking horribleness. I, I'm like, I can't do this. Um, I I might have been subjected to the third one, um, but the second one. Uh, was so fucking horrible. Now, granted, um, a friend of Julie's, um, a childhood friend of hers, with a really cool name, his name, Stephen King. No way. Yeah. Uh, He actually is... um, He works for ILM. So he did special effects on the Transformer movies.
0: He literally probably one of the only talented people attached to that movie then
1: yeah um so we were uh that's what that's kind of the main reason that we we stayed and then to make to pay the respects and but sadly for me we had to stick through the whole credits because she obviously wanted to see her friend's name on in the credits and it was kind of cool because seeing her get super excited to see a name that she knew was actually kind of cool right um and uh, he, he had told her prior to us going on the scenes that he'd worked on. I can't really remember. I know that he did a lot of work on that, that old Transformer that they found. Like the I, I think he came out and he had a fucking cane. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. He, was the, he, he did a lot of work on the old Transformer that they found in some junkie. Anyways, so yeah. That, but that movie was fucking horrible, and I would have walked out if I had been given the opportunity.
0: Um, I can't say I've ever met somebody named Stephen King, but I do know a girl who said she dated a Michael Moore. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. Anyway. Uh, uh, but question, question yeah,
1: the, the, uh, the winner of the movie.
0: Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. Yes.
1: The movie that I actually walked out on was the 1999 comedy drama, Play It to the bone. Play it to the bone. What the fuck is that? It is uh, Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas. They are two best friends and former middleweight contenders. They travel to Las Vegas to fight each other for the first
0: time. Interesting.
1: It was fucking horrible. Uh, It was fucking horrible, and I probably walked out at. I lasted about an 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 hour, uh, and it's two hours and four minutes. Uh, I know once it hit uh, home video, I decided I should probably finish it, Um, and I did, and I regretted it. I remember next to nothing about that movie. I can't remember a scene from it. I just remember sitting in the theater, angry that I did this to myself, and I left. It's the only movie I've walked out on.
0: Well, I won't be caught dead watching it anytime soon either, so I guess we're we're equal. Yes. <laughs> All right. With that out of the way, I apologize for attempting to move on early, Manny, and interrupting your. Story no, that's but... okay.
1: I was on one of my fucking epic, fucking verbal diarrhea rants, and you thought First I was time ever. yeah right. First time the last ever. one.
0: All right. Question five. What are your thoughts on '80s and '90s remake movies or TV shows made into feature films? Is Hollywood running out of ideas, or do they have, or do they have the means to make much better versions now, or is it just a cash cow because there's already a built-in audience? That's uh, a, it's a, lot to, <laughs> a lot to unpack in one question, and in fact, there's even a part two to that question later that we'll get to. Yes. Um, but I guess uh, the, the first opening opening chunk of that. What are your thoughts on '80s and '90s movies and TV shows being remade?
1: I understand. I understand even more so now why studios are doing it, with the amount of content out there now uh, on with the internet, with all the streaming services, with all the TV um, and all the films out there. Studios need some type of hook, some type of built-in audience to try and draw people in. So. If they remake a popular movie from the 80s or 90s, there's going to be a core group of people that will go see it just on name recognition alone. Um, does that mean that they're good? No, generally not. Um, but it, it gives the studios a little bit of a head start to make some money. It is a cash cow. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, with the way things are trending in Hollywood and film we're seeing less and less of the adult dramas being made and now it's more all about spectacle and big budget um, and that's really unfortunate um, but because of that we're seeing a rise in the absolute brilliance of TV um, TV has never been better than it is today um, and so on that side, that's also one of the reasons that uh, the studios are doing this, remaking old movies, um, rehashing old ideas. Um, it's all about the money. Um, I really wish they would do more original stuff, but the, the sad part is, is that when they do original stuff, uh, people aren't going to the theater to show that original ideas are worth it and so, when they don't make money, then the studios are less apt to make an original idea again. So, it is a cash cow. I don't think that Hollywood's running out of ideas. I think they're just being um, they're just being risk averse. They're not willing to take a risk. Um, and frankly, you can understand why because they are publicly traded companies. They have money to make. Um, you know, we talk about all these movies and how much they make we throw the numbers around but like a movie, if it costs 40 million dollars, that's 40 million dollars that's not chump change, like we talk about it like it's not that much money we just throw those numbers around when we're talking about the budgets of films and stuff like that but that's a fucking lot of money so that's that's why these 80s and 90s movies are being remade they have a built in audience and hopefully will allow Studios to recoup some of their investment.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with basically every point you just made. Um, just just because something is a cash cow doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, look look at the good reboots, remakes, reimaginings that we've seen over the last little while. They're not all terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, something like uh, like Twenty One Jump Street. I don't know if you saw that. I loved Twenty One Jump Street as a reimagining of the TV show. Um, Mad Max was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, which is something you probably wouldn't have imagined happening, um, the insane amounts of great Marvel movies that are coming out, uh, the, the Dark Knight trilogy, all of these are not original properties. All of these are remakes, reboots, reimaginings, re-whatever, recycled. But they're all still good, so it it does sort of bother me on the one hand when people say... Hollywood's running out of ideas because we just keep seeing the same the same shit over and over again. But that that's a little bit uh, short-sighted isn't the right word. It, it's just not really looking in the right place. It's not really looking at it the right way, in my opinion. It's a little bit too pessimistic because say what you will about you know the old like every every Batman movie pre Christian Bale like those. The the last few Batman movies before Christian Bale were not good, and the remake totally reinvigorated the property. It they made, in my opinion, some of the the best of the entire franchise. Like these remakes were a good thing, and that, that's one specific example for sure. But just calling just brushing them, brushing remakes aside in general as a cash cow, um, is, is just sort of uh, missing the point, I guess. And that's that's not to say that we shouldn't support. Uh, good original movies. It's quite the opposite. It does make me sad that there are there's less and less money going towards big-name writers and directors, but the new masters are here. There's still people making great original movies. Guys like Martin McDonough, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Christopher Nolan, who of course made made the Batman movies, but is also making great original content as well. Quentin Tarantino, Taylor Sheridan. These guys are all active in the industry today, and we are very, very lucky to have them. So on the one hand, we're allowed to like these reboots but on the other hand we should also make an effort to support these new exciting writers and directors am I making any sense here? 100%
1: you're making sense dude you're preaching to the choir I fucking love what you said (laughs) fucking love what you said
0: yeah um oh sorry I guess we're on to part 2 of this question do you have it handy?
1: oh yeah um so with that being said uh what movies from that era would you like to see remade if any?
0: So, this one I actually struggled with. I, Me too. Uh, Especially because, I mean, the 80s, I, I was not around for the 80s, so a lot of these properties uh, are are ones that I'm not familiar with. In, in spite of all the good examples of remakes that I just gave, a lot of them are shit. I mean, I, I wrote down... Uh, just in recent memory, Godzilla, Total Recall, Baywatch, A-Team, Dukes of Hazard, Charlie's Angels. Like, all of these properties in the 2000s have been rebooted and were just terrible. Mm-hmm. So it, it's certainly not a sure thing that a reboot is going to be good. Far, far, far from it. Um, I, I was trying to sort of figure out the formula. I was trying to figure out what it could be. And um, the the Batman situation sort of gave me inspiration because... Like I said, I think the last movie, the last Batman movie made before uh, Batman Begins, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it Batman and Robin? Yes, it was. Yeah, so, again, hilariously bad movie. Hilariously cheesy movie. Um, Actually, genuinely worth a watch if you want to laugh at how bad something is. Um, But I I think taking something cheesy and making it a little more serious and imagining it, what it would be like, a little more grounded, a little more real-like, uh, sort of became the formula after Batman Begins. Yeah, It, it really started with Batman Begins. Just seeing how something how some dude with a bat credit card and like, bat suits with nipples <laughs> like how all of that could be taken really seriously and be sort of based in reality, that inspired a lot of people. So I think maybe going that route I don't know if that formula is too uh, what's the word I'm going for? Too tired? but I still think it has some life in it. So the first two that I came up with were actually movies that we've talked about it, at length, but for full-length episode. I thought either uh, Leon the Professional or Face-Off would be really interesting ideas for really cheesy movies that could benefit from a reboot. Face-Off, I hesitate to even suggest, just because it's so enjoyable as it is, <laughs> like, as a cheesy bad movie. But I think if you could somehow... Like all the ingredients are there, it's just really stupid and ridiculous. But then again, superhero movies are really stupid and ridiculous, and we have a, a whole bunch of really good ones right now, right? So those were sort of the first ones I came up with. Um, I think Armageddon could benefit from maybe a, a more serious reboot. I think, hey, Manny's shaking his head at me right now, but that—that that is a movie with potential that didn't quite get there. That could maybe benefit from a little bit of a, of a caring hand. Um, if we're going for uh, TV shows, uh, I, I hesitate to even say this because I'm embarrassed as I'm even reading it in my notes, but I, in the heat of the moment as I was writing my notes, I thought MacGyver would be a funny one to, to <laughs> hopefully try to reboot. Uh, <laughs> and feel free to jump in at any time here, man. No, you're, see like... you're, you're doing great. <laughs> and the, the last one uh, that I wrote down, I'm honestly sort of surprised hasn't been rebooted as like either uh, a kid's animated movie or... or or something i'm not totally sure but one of my favorite kids shows of the late 90s was the magic school bus and i thought magic school bus could totally benefit again I'm, I'm veering off from like the seriousness thing here like i'm not talking about getting a really gritty magic school bus or anything like that i just mean like i'm surprised they haven't made a kids movie of the magic school bus do you know are you familiar with the show at all by the way not at <laughs> all It was just an educational kids show in, uh, I think the years were 1994 to 1998. They had this really eccentric teacher. I think her name was Miss Frizzle, if I recall correctly. And they just went on all these educational adventures in the magic school bus. There was one where they, like, uh, they went through the solar system and they encounter all sorts of, you know, problems and obstacles. And there was one where they went through somebody's digestive system and it was, like, just this educational kids show. And I'm really surprised that it hasn't just surfaced as a uh as a kids movie these days it was just a really good tv show and a lot of my friends my age who are familiar with it always tell me how much they loved the Magic school bus when they were kids so that was that was at least one one kid friendly one that i came up with are you are you currently looking up the Magic school bus
1: uh i was looking up something else <laughs>
0: okay pardon me yes Anyway, that's that's enough of my voice. I think I've embarrassed myself enough. But uh, th- those were at least the uh, the, the first instinct uh, reboots. Uh, Manny, why don't, why don't you give me a couple?
1: Well, it's funny. Uh, like, for me, uh, I, I didn't think... I, you know, it's funny. I, even though it says in the question, I, I didn't think of TV shows um, that could be rebooted or, or made into a film. Um, I took a quick glance around um, for some movies that I... I thought could use an update uh, and I really only came with two uh, one we discussed on this uh, on this very show uh, and that's scarface um,
0: yeah, a good one and which is actually a remake itself
1: yes, correct and there is um, there is a, a, an updated uh, remake of scarface being uh, shopped around and being pitched right now um, I can't remember. I, I remember learning some details about it, but I, I've actually forgotten now. Um, but it's, you know, it's about a, it's about a drug Lord. So it's something that could easily be updated to nowadays easily, probably with the Mexican cartel instead of, um, instead of the Cubans and the cocaine down in Florida, probably something in Los Angeles or Texas about the, the drug trade down there. Um, and then the other one's um, this movie I love from 1991 and it's called uh, sorry not 19, uh, 1988 uh, it's called Alien Nation um, it's basically have you seen Bright the Netflix movie well,
0: I, I'm aware of Bright but okay. I
1: Al- Alien Nation Bright is basically a play on Alien Nation Alien Nation is uh, it was it was made in 1988 it's set in the future of 1991 um, and aliens have landed it's a lot like District 9 as well
0: um oh, I love district 9
1: aliens um aliens have come down and they're they're seen as second class citizens and it's basically alls it is it's an allegory for for racism um they're looked upon um they're looked upon as less than human um they're treated basically the way that we treat blacks um it was really good it's it's James Con um the plot, uh, in 1988, Earth makes the first contact with an alien civilization. In 1991, these aliens, known as newcomers, slowly begin to be integrated into human society after three years of quarantine. Um, it's James Caan plays a racist, racist, alienist, I don't know, cop, right, who is forced to take on a newcomer partner. Um, I, I remember really liking the movie. Uh, it's definitely something I want to watch again. Um, have you seen Homeland?
0: Oh God, I haven't seen anything. You know that. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: it's just that one of the main actors from Homeland is like he—he's the—he's the newcomer. Like, oh yeah. And but he's obviously under like a lot of makeup and prosthetics. Um. It's uh, it's definitely a movie I I would love to revisit. Uh, it's one that I've definitely considered for our hidden gems. Um, so if it ever
0: actually probably pops on Netflix, I might make us watch it. Um, I'm, uh, I'm on Google right now looking it up. Uh, currently sitting at a whopping 45 on Metacritic. Yeah, I saw that.
1: <laughs> so it has me scared to watch it again, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I made us I made us watch Reign of Fire. I'm sure we could sit through all,
0: this. All the more reason for a reboot, right? Like I, I think that's that's a good formula, is just taking an easy action movie that had potential... Or is this even an action movie? It. I wouldn't.
1: Uh, yeah, it calls it action sci-fi. I don't remember. This. This would be. Uh, yeah, I guess if you had to put it somewhere in Regardless, my in my mind, it's more of a because there's like a conspiracy going on. And so they it's like of, more of a thriller, sort of. Yeah. Or? Yeah. It's definitely like it's obviously sci-fi. Like it's about aliens being integrated into our
0: society. Yeah. Yeah. I think regardless of how you classify it, though, like that—that that sounds like just the perfect candidate for a reboot. This was sort of a, a movie that I was trying to go through the the catalogs and find, and came up short in my answer. But just a, a really cheesy movie from the '80s that you like that has potential, maybe doesn't know how to quite put all the pieces together, but could maybe benefit from a from a reimagining. Yeah, I, and a different different set of hands on the wheel.
1: Yeah, I wasn't looking for, like, I wasn't looking for like like as an example like uh, there was a, a Captain America movie made in the 80s and it was obviously shit because they didn't have the special effects to do things with it yeah. and so i wasn't looking for something that with today's technology could be done the way that they envisioned i was actually just trying to think of what was a movie back then that had a really good potential but it just it just needs to be updated nowadays and those were the only two that that was just me kind of more like those are the two I thought off the top of my head and then when I was kind of doing research I I couldn't find any that I felt were better than those two picks
0: well and not to mention I'm sure you encountered the same problem in your prep every movie where I was like oh that would be a good one I was like oh wait they already did a reboot of that
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah I was like oh Nightmare on Elm Street could be oh no they already did that (laughs) or or, uh, I can't even remember any others like alien nope Alien vs Predator. Try again. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I guess the Alien franchise never even really stopped, did it? You got Alien, nope. Aliens, Alien Three, Alien vs Predator. Blah 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 now blah. Now we have the. F- I don't want to talk about the current ones. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to. I apologize for going down that road.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's that's kind of it. I I would I if if our listeners have any that they could think of that they would I would love to hear it. Um, Please give
0: your input on any or all of these questions. Yeah, I'd love
1: to hear everybody's answers on these. Please let us know.
0: Um, Uh, uh, Should I I read the next one? My turn? Go right ahead, sir. Sure. God, we need an editor. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are the most overrated films that everybody seems to rave about?
1: This is probably going to ruffle some feathers. Oh I'm
0: excited for this one this one's gonna this one's gonna be a bloody probably
1: I have um I have one on here that I know that you like
0: oh um, actually oh, actually I, no I, I bet I bet I know what it is
1: I, there's actually there's three on here two for sure possibly three on three on here that
0: I know that you like okay so let me guess at least one of them okay i I can almost guarantee one of the movies that you know that I like that you think is overrated is forthcom oh no.
1: That really? al- that almost made my list. I don't think it's overrated, but when we finally get to that Oscar year, oh, that that one's
0: gonna be bloody. <laughs> it is
1: gonna be bloody. I don't think Forrest Gump is overrated. Just that year, it might have gotten the bronze medal. Might.
0: Yeah, this this one was sort of tough for me just because I, I wanted to make a distinction between movies being overrated. Like there, there's some movies that everybody knows are overrated. Like, we already talked about Shakespeare in Love. It's on my list. He's, even though... I would I would argue it's not overrated. Because it did win Best Picture, yes, but in the, what is it now, 21 years since it won Best Picture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: everybody agrees that it should not have won Best Picture. And everybody agrees that it was probably the worst nominee of that year. Like So in my opinion... Even though it might have been overrated in 98 when it won Best Picture, it's not overrated today. It I might. like
1: that I like that analogy. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to scratch it off my list.
0: Okay, fair enough. Continue with your list. I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: No, that's okay. Uh, I love the discussion. Okay, so these are in no order. They're just no order. the ones... Okay. These were just ones off the top of my head. Now, this first one is probably going to be one that's going to ruffle feathers with film fans. That being said, I definitely want to rewatch this movie because I've seen it twice, but the last time I watched it was probably twenty years ago. Okay. A Clockwork Orange.
0: Oh, okay. So that was one of the ones you thought that might uh, might ruffle my feathers. Yes. I person I personally like that movie. I can see why people wouldn't. It's. Uh... For a movie about a psychopath that leads a gang of other psychopaths just walking around the streets doing stu- doing bad shit, it, it it can be a little bit slow. So uh, yeah, uh, fair fair point.
1: I I I want to revisit it, but it definitely made my list because I remember I watched it and then I watched it I, like I, the first time I watched it, I was like, huh, and then I don't know maybe five years later I rewatched it and I was still like, huh.
0: Well, I, I know you're not a Kubrick guy in general, no, right? No, I'm not. Nope. Yeah, but I, I personally really like Clockwork Orange. I still like that movie. Yeah,
1: so I definitely want to revisit that one, but for you me know. right now, it's overrated. Oh, fair
0: game, fair game. Next
1: up is Chicago.
0: Uh, which I have seen, but don't remember enjoying. Or It was a while ago.
1: Yeah. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite.
0: Mm, I, uh, I, I I guess I would qualify that as a guilty pleasure for me. I don't know if that qualifies as a guilty pleasure but yeah, Napoleon Dynamite is is one that I enjoy I
1: remember watching it and just sitting there going like, I don't see why everyone loves this movie so much (laughs) which leads me right into the next one which is a huge one for a lot of people and I remember sitting, I remember everything about that like, I was sitting on the floor at my friend's house watching this movie going, fucking please end like, they're all dying laughing and I'm just like oh god, end and that's Anchorman.
0: Uh, <laughs> man, you're just listening off a bunch of my uh, bunch of my uh, uh, I shouldn't say favorite movies, but a bunch of movies that I like. Yeah. Man, I I love me some Anchorman. I don't love me any Anchorman. <laughs> the second one was a was terrible. I'll I will concede that. I didn't I didn't even I didn't even do it. Wouldn't have expected you to, but yeah, I love the first Anchorman, I really do.
1: And the last one is Step Brothers.
0: Ah! <laughs> I already said I love that one. I know. Ah. But no, stepbro,
1: Bro- I on, on like in all honesty, the only reason Stepbrothers is on there is I wanted to ruffle your feathers a little bit.
0: Feathers ruffled, my friend.
1: There's a, <laughs> there's just a few. I, I I I think it's only. I think it's on that list because I can't remember a couple people recently, like really recently, like in the last week or so have kind of been talking about how much they love that movie and I was and I was just thinking I'm like fuck I watched it and I like I don't remember enjoying it at all but I I haven't met unless somebody who is unless I've talked to another person like me that isn't a fan of Will Ferrell I haven't met somebody that didn't like step brothers but yeah when it, and then the I will you that wasn't the last one here's my last one and this is a franchise The Fast and the Furious
0: Thank you I yes, don't fucking get it That's a good one That's I, a very good one I don't get it Now granted to be, fair, to be fair though I think Critics And fans And the Filmmakers themselves Know what it is I don't think Fast and Furious Is touted as like This Uh Fantastic Innovative No no thing. No, no, no no
1: That's not what I'm getting at Yeah When it like Overrated Like obviously Clockwork Orange Is considered a masterpiece I, yeah. I don't get it Mm-hmm. but the Fast and the Furious I don't get why it's so popular. And I and I like bad action movies. I fucking I made you watch Face Off.
0: Yeah. but which I was watched, great.
1: I watched the first. I I went to the theater and saw the first Fast and Furious and I was like I was entertained. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the se- was the I don't know hold on, what was the second Fast and ab- Furious? Okay. I watched that one and I was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck?" I think the third one is Tokyo Drift.
0: Who knows man?
1: I don't know. And from that point on I was like, "Oh my god. I definitely stop watching after 4?" Yeah. I I don't get it. I I see, like even from the trailers I was like, "I no. I don't get it." But
0: yeah. Like I I agree. I think the only of that series I have seen actually is uh is Furious 7. That was the one uh, right after Paul Walker's death. Or I guess his death was during the filming of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is touted as one of the better ones of the series. Okay. Um, the emotional ending with Paul Walker was, uh, was quite powerful. And then outside of that, I, I did not get it. There, there are moments where the movie is enjoyable as a comedy. An unintentional comedy. Okay. Like, one of my favorite moments of Furious 7 is when uh, Vin Diesel... Rolls his car off a cliff, and I think he, he probably does about you know twenty, thirty rolls off this cliff. uh, Lands, stumbles out of the car, and gets into a fist fight. <laughs> just like, no, you're you're dead though. Like you're dead. <laughs> you can't. I I know Vin Diesel's skull is probably just completely thick, and his brain is probably fine, but your your body is mush at this point. I. And again, it's suspension of disbelief. If you if you like these movies, more power to you. Not going to not going to shame you. You go do you. You watch what you want in the movies. But yeah, I I do not understand the uh the insanity around the uh the Fast and Furious franchise cuz I think at this point it's one of the most profitable franchises of all time. Yes.
1: And that and that's what I'm talking about overrated. Not not critically overrated, I guess public yeah. opinion overrated. Like I don't okay. I just don't get it.
0: That's fair. I work with a guy who I think, like, if there's how many? Eight movies now? Maybe nine? Yeah. I think his top eight or nine favorite movies are the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> so, uh, him and I don't talk movies all that much.
1: Oh, but. that would be painful for me. That would be painful. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's not easy. It's not easy.
1: So that's, that's mine. Sam, yeah. what you got? Overrated films. Throw them to me.
0: Okay, well, I swung for the fences right out of the gate. Nice. Uh... So this movie, uh, I looked it up, is sitting at uh, 100 on IMDb, and that is Citizen Kane. Have you seen it? I've seen Citizen Kane. And you think it's overrated? I don't necessarily... maybe. (laughs) I I just want to frame this a little bit. I think we need to reframe the way we talk about Citizen Kane.
1: I might have to uh, turn this podcast off.
0: Oh, come on. Come on. (laughs) Listen, Citizen Kane... In its time was the most innovative insane remarkable movie ever made that there's no denying that in the years since you know it's been built upon and that's just that's just a fact it's been what 70 80 years since citizen kane was released these things have been improved upon like all the technologies that it innovated all the techniques that it innovated, nobody is taking that away from the movie. And hey, I don't even dislike Citizen Kane. I think it is a good movie and I enjoyed it, which is not something many millennials can say about a movie from the fucking 40s, okay? Correct. It's, But the way people talk about it is just that it is... Well, I mean, it tops every list of the greatest movie ever made, right? Yes. And I'm not saying I, I am going to declare a next best movie ever made, I mean, if I was maybe, I don't know, the godfather off the top of my head, not to be totally incontroversial. But I just don't don't get why the insane amounts of innovation, which, again, I'm not taking away from it, I don't get why that makes it the best just because it was the best and the first at the time. Does that make sense?
1: No, it doesn't. That's exactly (laughs) why it
0: was the best.
1: Because he was so... Everything he did was so far ahead of its time. So it, it far, and doing, so far and doing things side. that had never been done
0: before. But it's not far ahead of 2019 is what I'm saying.
1: That doesn't make a difference. <laughs> if you're the first at something, you're the best at it. You're the best to do it. Yeah. That, that, that's like... That, I, you know what? I, I guess I understand the point you're making. I just disagree with it. It'd be okay, like, okay. It'd be, it would be like somebody who had <clears throat> never seen Pulp Fiction and watching <clears throat> it now. They, I guarantee you they won't understand the significance of Pulp Fiction. And the way it changed cinema
0: completely. So, does that is that person wrong then for not thinking Pulp Fiction is just? I I mean, they'd be wrong for thinking Pulp Fiction's a bad movie for sure. But would they be wrong since they don't have that cultural context uh, for not thinking that it is among the greatest of all time? Yes. I, I I don't know if I can agree with you on that. I think, in my last-
1: opinion, what you're saying right now is that. Just because Babe Ruth was the first to be become the greatest home run hitter of all time, he's not he he's not he's not the greatest player of all time anymore. Because, because he's not the same type of athlete that we have the nowadays. Standards,
0: the standards for baseball players have roughly been the same for a hundred years. If you could clobber a ball four hundred feet in the year nineteen hundred, you can clobber a ball four hundred feet in the year twenty nineteen. That's that's a different comparison.
1: I, I vehemently disagree with your assessment on why
0: <laughs> I disagree I'm, I'm not even saying that it's a, it's a very good movie and I enjoyed Citizen Kane it yes. is a very enjoyable movie which is not something you can say about a lot of movies from the 40s most I, of them drag completely. I can understand that what I'm
1: saying is that the innovations that proceeded just because it's now 2019 doesn't diminish what they did
0: Completely, it doesn't. It doesn't diminish what they did. Right. But that doesn't mean that generations and generations of film snobs have to pretend it's their favorite movie. They don't.
1: Uh, we're not talking favorite. We're talking about over. We're talking about overrated. We're talking about <laughs> quality here. It I, is I, a very, very I, high. Quality I have here. yet. To, I have yet to meet anybody in person that tells me Citizen Kane is their favorite movie.
0: That's fair. You know, Steven Spielberg's favorite movie. Uh, Lawrence uh, of Arabia. Is it? Oh, I thought it was Citizen Kane. I, I'm probably misremembering that. I think it's Lawrence of Arabia. Side note, on a lot of the uh, the overrated lists that I looked up, Lawrence, Arabi- Lawrence of Arabia was on there.
1: And those people are fucking stupid.
0: <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> those people
1: fe- haven't seen it on the big screen. They've watched it on their televisions.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, r- Feathers ruffled right off the bat. I yes! I have a bunch. I probably won't read all of these. You still um, should, because I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: going to be so angry...
0: I love where this is going. Okay. Uh, I think the least controversial... I'll, I'll do the least controversial next so we can get a little bit on the same page. <laughs> um, the notebook.
1: Oh, I like the notebook. <sighs>
0: Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to be a point of agreement. I, can... I I don't enjoy the notebook. I really don't. And I, I even feel um, a little bit of... Uh, Uncertainty. Even listening, it is overrated because I looked at the IMDb score and it's only sitting at a fifty-three right now. Actually, oh shit, really? Which I even think I'm calling it overrated, and even I think that's a little low. Um, but I, I just really don't get it. The whole Nicholas Sparks style romance movie, just the same Romeo and Juliet over and over again. Two people from different walks of life find a way to make it work. Like it's it, it's just been so done, and it's so stale. And a lot of the heavy air quotes, romantic gestures that are in this movie would be creepy as fuck if Ryan Gosling wasn't super attractive. Like, uh, the the one I always give, uh, the example I always give is him hanging off the Ferris wheel at the beginning of the movie. He threatens to fucking kill himself if Rachel McAdams doesn't go on a date with him. That's psycho. That is psycho shit. But because he looks like Ryan Gosling, you know, it, it's romantic. And it just, like, shit like that really, really bothers me in movies.
1: I can understand. I can, I, I, those are valid points. And I yeah. actually, I can't argue about it. For me, though, it's not... Maybe it's because I'm a fan of Ryan Gosling. I don't think it's that he looks like Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling is charming as fuck. He is. He I is. Will that he point. is so charismatic on screen, and that's that's why I can buy those actions on screen. Mm-hmm. So, but the, pal- the the points you make, 100% valid. But I I do like. I did really enjoy the Notebook. But everything you say, I will not argue on. I can understand everything you're saying. 100%.
0: Okay. So we're not, we don't have another Citizen Kane situation here. No. This is good. <laughs> um, next one I thought it was Grease. Grease is a, uh, I, I think it's a pretty highly rated musical in most people's books. Arguably some people would say it's one of the greatest musicals ever made. Who the fuck would say that? You don't think, you don't, you don't think people would say that? Not, not one time. If I, the only people that think Grease is
1: one of the greatest musicals ever made are, mm-hmm. no offense to any of our listeners, Chicks.
0: Yeah. For
1: sure. Okay. And I get it because it definitely plays, Greece plays right into, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, um, like a female fantasy kind of thing. It definitely, like, uh, I don't think I've met many women that don't like Greece, so I can understand why I would make this list, but I honestly, it's going to sound shitty. Anybody, (laughs) whatever, whatever. I'm going to offend some people. Nobody credible that I've ever met or heard has listed Grease as one of the greatest musicals of all time
0: okay that's entirely fair no, that was public just...
1: public opinion on the other hand that's fine whatever you know like okay. the People's Choice Awards have,
0: <laughs> have their own place I don't know, I don't know if those existed when Grease came out mm, yeah but... Um, but it's sort of ironic I do agree with you that it's mostly mostly women I know that, that enjoy this movie and who list it as like maybe one of their favorites or, or something to that effect but it's sort of ironic because my main problem with Grease is that it sends a terrible message to women, I think. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I think it sends a terrible message to women. Yep. It, the ending of the movie, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Grease, which is 40 years old or 50 years old or whatever it is, the, main, the ending of that movie sends the message that if the boy you like doesn't like you back, all you have to do is fundamentally change who you are as a person. <laughs> yep. Think about that. Olivia Newton-John just goes from being this preppy little girl to being a total badass. She changes her entire personality, which like, hey, great, good for you. Which, but uh, John Travolta's character won't—he won't give her the time of day. And they're in love. Just because she doesn't fit his idea of what his girlfriend should be like. Even though they're supposedly in love. So she just goes, oh, instead of finding a guy who's not a piece of shit, I'm just gonna change who I am. That's a terrible message. I I, I really hate that about Grease. I really do.
1: That's a 100% valid point.
0: You know, Grease Lightning, pretty catchy song. Definitely, to... catchy song. <laughs> Definitely catchy Some song. Definitely catchy song. Some catchy tunes, not going to take away anything from the soundtrack. Although, holy fuck, there's one line at the beginning of this movie in the tell me more, tell me more, did she put up a fight? That That is the creepiest fucking line in this movie. I, I, yeah, in the, what was that song called, Summer Nights? Yeah. Yeah, there's the line. Tell me more, tell me more. Did she put up a fight when they're talking about uh, <laughs> when they're talking about uh, their romantic experience? Oh, that's the 70s ladies and gentlemen or uh, I guess the 50s through the lens of the 70s. All right, Greece also setting at a uh, 70 meta score by the way. 70. So, wow. So pretty pretty reasonable. Um I I got two left. I hope I have time for both of them. I you mean have, it's our We, show, so we, we, we got, got tons of time. This is fucking fun. fun. Uh so, uh, Titanic. What? Titanic. Listen, James Cameron is an auteur. James Cameron is an innovator. James Cameron has great vision for, for technical aspects and storytelling aspects. Titanic is the same love story we've been hearing for 400 years. It's two people from different walks of life trying to find a way to make it work. It's the same thing. I don't find it particularly riveting or original for the first two hours of this movie. Uh, the best part of the movie is when the ship hits the iceberg. The effects and the visuals uh, are fantastic. The the acting is great, and the story is dull. It really is. And that's how I feel. Manny, why am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you found the story dull? I didn't find. It. Maybe, maybe. Again, you said uh, a Clockwork Orange could benefit from a rewatch. Maybe Titanic needs a full rewatch for me. It has been. It has been some years. But
1: well, by the middle of the year, you'll be rewatching it.
0: Ah, yes, true. <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah, just. I, I was just
1: looking up. I, I won't lie. Like, um, I'm actually excited that we have so many really great years for Oscar retrospective shows coming up soon. I'm so fucking so pumped because yeah. I, I know that you haven't seen like the, the, the next one we're doing. There's some really great movies that I'm so excited to talk to you about because I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to like them as much as I do. Um, and then looking at this one, which was the 70th, the 70th Academy Awards. I remember watching them knowing Titanic was going to win, but rooting for a different picture to win. Um, and then looking at it now, it's a fucking... It's a stacked year. Um, yeah. The five movies that year were all fucking phenomenal. Um, I, I think I'm actually the opposite of you. When Titanic came out, um, I understood why it was making all the money. Um, the technical aspects, the special effects at the time were absolutely unreal. Um, I'm actually looking forward to revisiting it to see if they... The last time I watched... Actually, the last time I watched Titanic... Um, they re-released it into theaters, and I went down to Vancouver and saw it in IMAX, um, and it was worth it. It was fucking amazing to watch it on the big screen again, on the bigger, biggest, biggest screen again. Um, I'll be looking forward to watching it to see how it still stands now. But I, I, uh, my love for Titanic actually grew over time, uh, instead of diminished. Uh, I agree with everything you said. Like all the acting is fantastic. I didn't find the story dull. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I guess I have to uh, respectfully disagree with you on Titanic.
0: Yes, okay, that's fair. Man, we've gotten a lot more respectful as the night's gone on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last one is actually one that I did hold near and dear to my heart uh, as a kid and have since rewatched as an adult that hasn't quite held up. It's one that actually you brought to my attention that uh, it hasn't held up particularly well. And that's uh, a movie that's sitting at an 84 metascore, Shrek. (sighs) Shrek, hey, like, listen, I loved Shrek as a kid. It's even a a perfectly good movie now, but uh, 84 metascore, that is, that's pretty significant.
1: 84.
0: Yeah, that that puts it among the best animated movies. Puts it higher than I would wager a good number of Pixar movies. Which, I'm sorry, it's just not... A lot of the cultural references in it don't really hold up. A lot of the humor in it is... I mean, it's a kid's movie, so it's geared towards kids, the humor is. But I think if you watch a Pixar movie, and then you watch Shrek, the difference is night and day. Pixar makes movies for kids and adults. They make movies for everybody. And Shrek is, is strictly a kid's movie. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with making a movie that's geared strictly towards kids. It just... I loved a lot of Pixar movies when I was a kid, and those have held up. I loved Monsters Inc. when I was a kid, and it's held up. I loved uh, Toy Story when I was a kid, and it's held up. I loved Shrek when I was a kid, and it's fine now. Like it, it's okay. I will still watch Shrek and enjoy it, but an 84 Metascore is huge, and I, I really don't get that. Wow,
1: 84. Yeah. Stunned.
0: Yeah. I'm. I, I'm I, I actually. I'm now.
1: actually. I'm. I'm actually scared to rewatch Shrek. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I don't think it's gonna. Um, I you know what I'm I'm gonna guarantee you that if I rewatch Shrek I'm gonna be angry. Um, <laughs> thinking back, the only thing oh, I I oh, there was this project and I wish I I should have sent you the link. All these all these people across the internet did a shot for shot remake of Shrek. Um. Each one tackled a specific amount of time and scene and they're all done differently. like some were actual like live action. Some people did like hand-drawn animation. Uh, some people used cardboard cutouts. but it's all done shot for shot. That's remake. Awesome. And it's I watched like the first 15 minutes and it's fucking awesome. Like I love people like this is hundreds of people getting together over the internet to do this whole thing and it's fucking awesome. That being said, um, I, I'm, I love your Pixar analogy. If I think back to some of my favorite Pixar films, and even the ones that I don't like all that much, but the, at least the ones that I like, um, there's numerous scenes I can think of. As I just close my eyes, I can think of numerous scenes that I like. They're, t- they're timeless. They're movies that I can watch over and over again. I think the only part of Shrek, if I was to watch, that I would enjoy again, and it was the highlight when I watched it, and it'll be the highlight now, probably the only part I like, is the gingerbread man scene. I, yeah. I that's a,
0: yeah, that's a hilarious scene. I can't
1: think, I honestly can't think of any other scene. Oh, I now that I'm starting to think about it, I did love, it's near the beginning, it's actually where he meets Donkey, like hmm. when they were rounding up all the fairy tales, and there's the the public domain fairy tales that, that DreamWorks was allowed to use because the public domain, like Pinocchio was there. I found that a little bit amusing, but I can't remember. I can barely remember anything else. Like, uh, you know, like there's the, is it in that? I'm pretty sure it's in that one where they, they rip off the matrix.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Where uh, Fiona jumps up in the air, I think, and they do the 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 bullet time. Yeah. 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 I,
1: yeah. Yeah like
0: how how many kids were in the theater laughing at that part you know like this this came out in 2001 Matrix was what 99 99 yeah so like how how many kids were getting that and hey I'm not opposed to putting jokes in kids movies that the, adult, the adults are going to enjoy that are going to go over the kids head but I it's just I don't really get the comedy writing of that movie it strikes me as strange yeah. at parts There's,
1: I I can't I can't argue that one
0: yeah and hey, nobody likes a good fart joke more than me, but this movie has a lot of fart jokes. Like a lot of fart jokes. And of course when I was a kid I I loved it, I was eating it up, but you know. Now it's like, okay, I've heard I've heard five fart jokes in the last ten minutes, let's let's move on to joking about something else. <laughs> I don't know, it gets gets a little tiresome. So yeah, those are my overrated uh movies anyway. Solid um, list.
1: That's a solid list. Except my the first one, go fuck yourself. <laughs>
0: I, I, I knew that that would be a controversial one. I almost didn't want to say Citizen Kane, but I knew I would get such a good reaction out of you. I, I just had to leave it on. Um, anyway, should we move on to the next one? Are, are you reading the next one here?
1: Yeah, I got it. Okay. Uh, what are the most underrated films that you absolutely love?
0: Okay, so this list is even longer than my overrated. So I'm not. I'm absolutely not going to read all of them. Like for example, I was going to go on a big rant about uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but it's the same. It's sort of the opposite problem of Shakespeare in Love, right? Like Shakespeare in Love was really highly rated at the time, and it's sort of uh, dwindled over time. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was completely underappreciated in 2005, was it? Mm-hmm. And uh, it now I, I think people would agree it's one of the best movies of that year. So there are some movies like that that I didn't really uh, include on here. It also should be noted, Manny and I talked about this before the show, some of these might sort of be candidates for future picks for Hidden Gems or Guilty Pleasures, so uh, you lucky listeners are perhaps getting a preview. Um, I'm going to start with the lowest metascore of any of the ones that I had written down.
1: Oh wow, um, I, you, know, you went in-depth, I didn't do that, I just thought of movies that I felt were unappreciated that were basically, basically, this is a list of hidden gems.
0: Okay, yeah, that's fair. And uh, I, I, a lot I, I like gems.
1: where you went with that, so continue. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I just wrote down a bunch of movies that I think are sort of underappreciated, and I found their meta scores, so I'm gonna start with the lowest one. Okay. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Are that's you aware? That's Ben Stiller. Of that is Ben Stiller.
1: That's actually good. I
0: liked it. I liked this movie. I remember uh, seeing
1: the trailer, and I'm like, that looks visually interesting.
0: It was visually Hard pass. Um, it's currently sitting at a 54 on Metacritic, so not great. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you this movie's Citizen Kane. Wink, wink. Uh, but it is... It's a very enjoyable movie. I think it got a low Metascore because there's a lot of product placement in it, which is really unfortunate. Oh, it, basi- it basically runs as like an hour-and-a-half-long E Harmony ad, yeah. <laughs> which is <laughs> just really unfortunate. That being said, I... I was quite uh, inspired by it. It's it's a pretty, like, uh, inspirational movie. Um, I really enjoyed the ending. It has pretty good performances all around. Um, It's not Oscar quality, but I think it's a really enjoyable movie, and 54, I think, is criminal. But, uh, again, I think the main reason uh, it's rated as low as as it is is because there is a lot of product placement, and that sort of thing does bother me, but if you manage to look past it, it's quite enjoyable, I think. All right. Um... The next lowest uh, that I had on here was actually a movie I was talking to uh, or talking about with one of my coworkers the other day uh, that I hadn't even thought of in a while and that's uh, the Jim Carrey 1997 classic. I think it's 19... I probably have the year wrong. Uh, Cable Guy. The Cable Guy is currently sitting at 56 on Metacritic and it was a pretty interesting movie, I think. The argument can be made that it's Completely tonally unfocused it, it starts off as a comedy then turns into like a fucking thriller and jim carrey has this lisp that goes on throughout it that can get a little bit annoying but outside I mean, of mis- that i i think it's a pretty uh it'll definitely keep your attention for whatever it is two hours um i i don't have the synopsis in front of me or anything like that yeah, but basically I knew it. sorry uh, you have it or
1: well i do uh, a lonely and mentally disturbed cable guy raised on television just wants a new friend but his target, a designer, rejects him with bad consequences Yeah, uh, do you know the do you know the connection between the two movies that you just listed?
0: Cable Guy and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, do they have like the same writer or director or something?
1: Ben Stiller directed The Cable Guy oh really? yeah
0: oh I think I probably did know that. Oh, you know what? I did know that, because there's this whole side plot in, uh, in The Cable Guy. There's, like, an ongoing TV trial through, like in the background of the entire thing. Sort of, it's supposed to be, like, an analogy for the O.J. verdict. Yeah. And Ben Stiller is the, the, the O.J. guy. Um, but, yeah, Cable Guy's a really, really enjoyable movie. It gets really, it goes to a couple of really dark places. Really it creepy goes dark. Uh, but it's, it has some really good laughs. I don't know why it's sitting at 56 um, I have to imagine it has something to do with the crazy amounts of pop culture references that are in it. Potentially Jim Carrey's list. I know he can grade on some people but I'm a, I'm a big Jim Carrey fan. Um, but that was, that was another one that I thought was really good. Um, what is the next on here? I'm going to skip over a couple. Um, the you don't have to ha- skip over anybody. You don't have to skip, buddy. <laughs> Dude, I have a long list here. Right. Like, I, I went all out. Alright. Uh, another underrated movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Um, Will Smith? Will Smith, Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, Another really just good inspirational feel-good movie. Um, This would actually be another good answer for the one that we did uh, last movie you watched, Before You Die, just because this movie sort of gives me faith in mankind. Um, It's also, unfortunately, Jaden Smith's film debut, uh, but luckily he is young enough to not be an annoying little shit. Um, It's just about a a guy who's between jobs, trying to make ends meet, uh, for his son he's a single dad um, and it's about him taking an internship at this company and trying to work his way uh, to, a, to a paid position and uh, it's I, I find it really moving there's a couple of really emotional scenes in it um, it's again worth a watch I own it um, and it's it's quite good uh, you, uh, you have seen this movie haven't seen this movie
1: I have not
0: yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. It's worth a watch. I've, again, I've been considering it a little bit for the guilty pleasures thing, but I figure, hey, why don't I get it, get it out in the open here. Um, another good comedy uh, that I think has been completely overlooked, in my opinion, is uh, one that I actually talked about during, I think, our last Oscars episode, and that is Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story. Uh, Seen it? This is again starring our boy John C. Riley. It basically is a parody of both Walk the Line and Ray. And it's really funny if you're a a fan of uh, classic rock music or if you're a fan of either Walk the Line or Ray. I think it plays really well. It's really funny. Um, There's a couple of ongoing gags in this movie that are hysterical. The first one that comes to mind is every time he walks into a bathroom, uh, his band is doing drugs in there, and it's a different drug each time. And they keep telling him he wants no part of it get out of here, dude, you don't want no part of this shit, and then they sort of, like, list what it does, and he's like, huh, I think I, think I might actually want to do that. And I'm not doing it justice, it's completely unfunny when I describe it. But <laughs> it's it's really it's really a good movie. Um, and I actually, I think I recently watched it last couple of months, and it's, uh, yeah, it's quite good. Um, let's see what else here. Uh, da 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 Uh, Goon. Goon is a sports movie. Oh my and god. And it has no business being as good as it is. It's it everything about it sounds terrible. It is about a hockey or it's about a about a guy who basically is just hired onto a hockey team to be an enforcer. Uh, he doesn't know how to play hockey. He basically is on the team to punch people in the face. It stars Sean William Scott and it really has no business being good just from that description alone, especially because I am really really not a Sean William Scott fan. Uh, that being said, I found it really touching. I thought the antagonist in the movie, who is played by... Oh, I can't even think of his name, but uh, he plays Sabretooth in the Wolverine movies, is the first example I can Liv think Schreiber. of. Liv Schreiber. Thank you, yeah, Liv Schreiber. Um, the the an- Him as the antagonist in this movie is actually really good. He plays this aging enforcer uh, and... The the climax of the movie is when their two teams play, and they just sort of know that they're gonna have to fight each other at some point. But he's not like a cartoonish villain. He's like they have this like mutual respect for each other, and it's a really interesting dynamic. And I love how they uh, how they treated his character. Goon was a was an interesting movie. If I have a problem with it, it's that the the romantic B plot in it just they could have completely cut it out of the movie, and it would have been fine. Also, Jay Baruchel is quite annoying in the movie. Other than that, pretty darn good.
1: You know what? You're actually right. The more I think about Goon, the more I agree with you. It had no business being that good, and yeah, I, it I, re- it I remember. Been yeah, I remember watching it, thinking it was going to be an absolute fucking turd, and I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I'm really enjoying it, and I agree with Liv Schreiber. I really. They. I don't remember too much of it, but I remember, if I remember correctly, there's like a diner scene between Liv yeah. Schreiber and Charlton William Scott, and it's good.
0: Yeah, and they have they have a talk like a talk about like. Purpose and they have like a pretty deep philosophical conversation about what it is that they do yeah it's like it's a really good scene yeah i i know exactly the scene you're talking about and it's really good
1: yeah nice that's a nice pick well played
0: um the movies are gonna get better as i go along here because i'm going by metascore (laughs) it's
1: fine i I was as as you were doing this i was looking up the metascore
0: picks online Mm -hmm. all of mine are high (laughs) (laughs) that's fine i mean i got a couple on here that are high that i might share um The next on there uh, looks like uh, the Prestige, which is a movie that we've talked about, and I I know you you have such a love for that movie. I do. I fucking love the Prestige. It's so good. It is good, and I it baffles me that it's at sixty six on Metacritic. It really does. That is not a good rating, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really complicated, intricate, interesting movie, um, and it's it's a fucking thrill ride. If you want a movie that you need to pay attention to and is going to give you a what-the-fuck-just-happened payoff at the end. The Prestige is excellent. If you like any of Christopher Nolan's movies and you haven't seen The Prestige, go watch The Prestige. It's really fucking good. <laughs> it's uh, it's basically about uh, two stage musicians... or musicians... Uh, magicians who uh, who are uh, in competition with one another. I It's been a while since I've watched it, but I believe they're partners at the beginning of the movie, and they have a falling out, a trick goes wrong... And uh, they end up in competition with one another. They're constantly trying to one-up one another, find out each other's secrets. They spy on each other. They, they cheat. They lie. And it just gets really fucking dark. And it's, uh, it's, it's a thrill ride. It's awesome. Also, David Bowie is in it. And he plays Nikola Tesla. And if that isn't enough reason for you to want to watch this movie, I don't know what is. And Andy Serkis is in it as well. and He's really good.
1: Oh, your love of this movie just warms my heart. <laughs>
0: hey, it's a good movie. Am I wrong? No, I'm not disagreeing. I like it. <laughs> okay uh where do we go next i have i have two on here that are above 70 that i want to talk about above 70 on metascore so the first one is tropic thunder (gasps) great pick yeah tropic thunder is at 71 on uh metacritic fucking great movie um robert downey jr actually got a best supporting actor nomination for this movie blackface for doing blackface you could not do that in uh, in the current year he's so um, good in that movie yeah he's really good in that wow, movie you
1: picked two ben stiller directed films
0: hey man they're, they're good movies <laughs> i'm not sure if the secret life of walter Mitty was also directed by ben stiller i'm sure it probably wasn't but yeah find out for you. yeah but yeah tropic thunder is about uh, it's about a movie crew making a war movie uh i think they're in vietnam and uh, yeah, it, it's just a it's a wild ride. It's really funny. There's some great laughs. Robert Downey Jr. is hilarious in it. Um, Jack Black, J. Baruchel, Ben Stiller. Three Ben Stiller movies, hey? <laughs> <laughs> we have big three to the screen right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Tropic Thunder is is another very very good one. Um, you know what? I think I I actually skipped Stranger Than Fiction. I, I don't think I said that one. Um, oh
1: yeah, you did skip it.
0: Yeah, but uh that's another good one I'll talk about briefly. Uh Will Farrell is uh just an average Joe. I think he's an accountant if I remember correctly. And uh, he starts hearing uh, somebody narrating his life and it turns out that simultaneously a writer named Emma Thompson or named Emma Thompson played by Emma Thompson uh is writing a book about a character with his name. His name is Harold Crick in the movie. <laughs> and she's writing a book about a guy named Harold Crick and his name is Harold Crick and he just starts hearing her voice narrating his life as she's writing this book and he's trying to he he needs to try to figure out who this writer is in real life because at one point she mentions that she's going to kill this character i think she foreshadows that she's going to kill the character harold crick and all this stuff starts happening to him that she's describing in her book so uh it's a really interesting movie it's it's I would sort of describe it as a rom-com, I guess. There is a side uh, side plot with uh, him and Maggie Gyllenhaal falling in love. Oh, you know, he, he works for the IRS. That's what he does. Because Maggie Gyllenhaal is a woman that he's auditing. Uh, and that's uh, that's a quite, an, quite a funny storyline. But yeah, Stranger Than Fiction is, is a good one. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, um... Da, 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 da. Sorry, totally not prepared for this. Last movie I wanted to talk about is I know... A movie that me and Manny both really like. I know you love this movie. I do too. I saw it in theaters. It's completely underappreciated. It's only sitting at 73 on Metacritic. It's... What is it, Manny? Wind River. No, it's not Wind River, but yes! <laughs> yes, Wind River. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Wind River, actually. And now that you mention it, I uh, I do have Wind River written down, but I uh, I wasn't going to talk about it, because we've talked about it so much. But yes, Wind River. The movie I was actually thinking of It's actually sitting at 74, not 73. Mm. I misspoke. Um, And it is directed by one of the great director... One of the great young directors of our time, Denis Villeneuve. It is the 2013 classic Prisoners.
1: So good. So (gasps) good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Prisoners, completely underrated movie. I don't think I probably have seen it in years and years, but I remember just loving it and... uh, yeah, it not getting the appreciation that it uh, has deserved has been blasphemous, and I will probably have to rewatch it. I do own this movie as well, and it's very, very good.
1: It's four, five, this fucking
0: movie is brilliant. Brilliant. Basically, the the short form synopsis is that, uh, uh, if I recall correctly, Hugh Jackman's uh, two kids get, uh, or Hugh Jackman's kid and I believe his nephew as well, nope. or his niece. Um, they they get kidnapped. Uh, and he is working with the local police to try to find them until he is not working with the local police. Um, yeah, very good movie. It's, it's a long ride. I think it's about three hours long, if I remember correctly. But, Two and a half. Yeah, damn good movie. Damn good movie. Wow, I, I talked about underrated movies for a long time. I liked I it. To, I tried to breeze through those, but... Don't breeze I, uh... through.
1: I don't understand. You always seem to feel guilty when you start talking a lot.
0: I do. Well, look, I have 1, 2, <laughs> 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 movies I just listed off, and I didn't even mention Nightcrawler. <laughs>
1: I'm, I was actually surprised that didn't make your list.
0: Yeah, Nightcrawler is on there too, but we've already done a full episode on it, so I didn't That's really bother. Understandable.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, it's so funny. Whenever you go on a little bit of rant, you always feel bad at the end. and You want to like, cut yourself off. You do it every time. It makes me laugh.
0: I'm like, there's there's two names in the title, and I know people don't always tune in to just hear me. I'm fairly certain it's mostly your friends that listen to us.
1: So. <laughs> Trust me, my friends absolutely love hearing you talk. Trust me, they oh, all. Yes. Nope, it's 100 percent true. They they think the world of you. You're um...
0: While I I get rid of this blush that's on my face now, uh, why don't you tell me uh, some of your most underrated movies?
1: Well, it's funny. It looks like you and I, you kind of went with the underrated in more of a literal sense of the term in that, um, like something with a little bit lower meta score. For me, I took the term underrated as a movie that wasn't fully appreciated, something that might have been a critical darling, but didn't quite get the attention it deserved, as you and I have said numerous times, Wind River. Um, so as you were listing off the meta scores, I quickly grabbed the meta scores off of the ones I liked, and let's see how many I have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got nine on my list. Seven of them are above 70. One of them is above 80. So.
0: <laughs> I, that's I'm, not Which is above 80, out of curiosity?
1: Hell or High Water.
0: Oh. Uh, he's... Uh, I would still call that underrated. I yes,
1: guess. Yes, I, I, like for me when I when I heard the when I heard the term underrated, I felt it was just a movie that didn't get the attention it deserves. That's yeah. and then um, so Hell or High Water, um, you and I have talked about it, uh, uh, quite a few times. Um, it's an absolutely brilliant film. It was nominated for Best Picture, so I guess calling it underrated, you know, is a bit of a misnomer. But. Uh, I took the term underrated as a movie that didn't get the appreciation from the from the public that it should have. I try and I force Hell or High Water on anybody I possibly can to get them to watch that movie because it is fucking brilliant. Um,
0: uh, why not make it a Taylor Sheridan trifecta? We've listed Wind River, we've listed Hell or High Water. What about Sicario? <laughs> 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 Sicario is pretty underrated. It
1: is, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and speaking of Sicario, T-Bone didn't like it that much.
0: What? Yeah, I know, I fucking slapped it, his face. I'm sorry, T-Bone, you're wrong on that one. Yeah,
1: he's 100% wrong. Um, so I have Wind River, uh, I have Hell or High Water, um, a movie, another movie I love, they got a 75 Metascore, I didn't even realize it was that high, but it's a movie I fucking love that I, I don't think a lot of people have watched, and that's Rush.
0: Oh yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I really I, enjoyed that movie.
1: I really liked that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I should, i guess I, I, I
0: am—I am not an F one guy at all, and I was completely riveted by uh by Rush. It was great.
1: Yeah, it was a fantastic movie. Um, it chronicles the uh, 1970s rivalry between Formula One rivals James Hunt and Niki Lauda. Um, it's uh, Chris Hemsworth and <clears throat> sorry, and Daniel Bruhl. Um, it's and, an absolute fucking great movie. Um, it's another movie I, I try and get some people to watch. Um, I, I I love Rush. Um, next up is uh, a movie that really hit home, uh, really hit close to home for me, uh, and that's uh, Super Eight. No, um, I haven't seen it. It's a seventy-two Metascore. You haven't seen Super Eight? That's no. definitely something you and I will be watching. Um, it's it's written and directed by J.J. Abrams um it's uh it's during the summer of 1979 a group of friends witness a train crash and invenci- and investigate subsequent unexplained events in their small town it's such a fantastic movie um it, it really it really hit close to home for me um there's a lot going on in that movie that i can really relate to um when i was a kid and uh i absolutely loved it um it's definitely one that uh, we will be watching uh, down the line um, next up for me uh, Gone Baby Gone uh, have you seen Gone Baby Gone?
0: no I haven't That's, uh, it's Ben Affleck right?
1: yeah it's the directorial debut of Ben Affleck and it is fucking phenomenal just an absolutely like, jaw dropping cast uh, Casey Affleck, Michelle Monaghan Morgan Freeman, Ed Harris Amy Ryan, Amy Madigan um, it was it's just it's such a fantastic film and this was this is the movie that kind of brought Ben Affleck back um, because he was in like Hollywood hell because he was making all these shit movies well not making them starring in them um, no. and so he came back um, and directed this and uh, the trailers I'm like, I remember when I saw the trailer and I saw it was directed by Ben Affleck I was like holy fuck I'm like The trailer's playing, I'm like, this is unreal. And then like, directed by Ben Affleck, I'm like, what the fuck? Watch it, and it is jaw-droppingly good. Um, It's definitely one, again, that, um, like you mentioned before, this is definitely going to be a preview of of, uh, some hidden gems. Um, This is definitely one that I'm going to have you watch. Um, Next up uh, for me is uh, 1997 sci-fi film, Contact
0: unaware
1: yeah uh, it's a sixty two meta score um it is long it's two and a half hours um it's it's about f- f- first contact with aliens um I absolutely love this movie uh jody foster uh matthew McConaughey um it's it has a couple there's a couple um shots uh some camera movements some camera tricks done in this movie that um are astounding Uh, especially the opening scene the opening scene the opening shot is absolutely phenomenal Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Contact Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, like I said again making you watch this movie Um, like I said uh, Hell or High Water Uh, and then there's um, a movie called Gross Point Blank uh, starring John Cusack and Minnie Driver Uh, it's kind of a it's a comedy it's an action comedy um Martin Blank is a professional assassin. He is sent on a mission to a small Detroit suburb, Gross Point, and by coincidence, his 10-year high school reunion party is taking place there at the same time. It is really... It's not, like, gut-busting funny, but it's pretty funny. And John Cusack is, fuck, like, at his best, Um, which leads to my next pick, which um, is one of my favorite... Uh, John Cusack movies, uh, and that's High Fidelity. Um, I'm a big fan of High Fidelity. Uh, Spoiler alert for High Fidelity in regards to my life. um, This is a... What's the right way to say this? This is a movie that I use to test people on whether or not... I can introduce them into the world of film instead of movies. This movie, it's, it's basically a romantic comedy, um, but it's, it's really well done. Um, it's got some really great dialogue. Uh, he breaks the fourth wall a lot. Um, it's kind of the movie I introduce... Well, I, this is the movie I basically introduce women to, To kind of get a feel on whether or not they're going to be open to the idea of moving into me showing them what good movies can be instead of like popular films and stuff like that. Um, High Fidelity is kind of where I start, where if they're, if they watch High Fidelity and like, ah, that was okay, I'm like, well, then I'm probably not going to be able to introduce you to some other meatier stuff. So. Um, But I'm a big fan of High Fidelity. I absolutely love it. Um, And then last on the list with the lowest metascore, this has a metascore of 45. Yeah. Okay. But I fucking love this movie. And that's Mr. Brooks. Mr. Brooks, uh, a well-respected businessman, is sometimes controlled by his murder and mayhem-loving alter ego. Kevin Costner plays this guy. He's a he owns. It's literally a company that just makes boxes, boxes of all sizes. It's okay. unimportant, but he's he's incredibly rich. But he's also a serial killer. And <laughs> that sounds
0: batshit crazy. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's actually and the one of the things I love about this movie, um, is Kevin Costner's alter ego, is. Um, it, it's like the alt you know like he he's Mr Brooks the CEO you know by day and he's a serial killer by night but he's meticulous about his job but his alter ego um I guess like the the murderous person inside him is actually played by William hurt and so he's William hurt is in the scenes with him but obviously the only person that can see him is Kevin Costner. And so he has conversations like he would in his mind with himself. It's, it's really fucking well done. Um, this is definitely a movie I'm going to have us watch. Um, full disclosure, I'm a massive Kevin Costner fan. So it probably plays into why I like this movie. But I really love the way that they, they do... I really love the way that they portray it. I love that William Hurt is playing a side of Kevin Costner's personality and takes physical form in this movie. Um, I like, I, I do like this movie, but I fully understand why it got a 45.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I think I've heard of this movie. I think my brothers told me to watch this movie before. Um, yeah, it, it definitely sounds interesting, at least. I think when you watch as many movies as you and I do the more original a movie is the more likely we are to like it i think if you can find something that you've never seen before when you've seen as many movies as we have or as many movies as you have it's probably going to at least pique your interest
1: yeah it's it's those it's something different um, will definitely always kind of catch my interest uh, for sure so so those are my underrated films like i said only like only one of you know only one of them was under 60 In regards to the metascore, but I I feel like a lot of them were just unappreciated um, by the masses, or even not even unappreciated, just unknown. And so, those are a lot of the movies that I try to introduce to people. You know, when they ask for something, a recommendation for me to for them to watch that they haven't heard of, I'm like, try these ones, try these ones, try these ones.
0: I thought of two more while you were talking. Yeah. Uh, as long as we're going by your definition, which I do also like, I think it's, it helps to expand to that. Um, a relatively unknown movie that is different, that I love recommending to people. It's relatively high Metascore. It's pretty appreciated. It's sitting in 82 right now. That's The Lobster. Have you seen The Lobster? No. I think you've probably heard of it, right? Oh, I've heard all about it. Yeah. If I don't even want to describe the plot, because it's damn near impossible. If there's anyone listening who just wants a batshit crazy movie to watch like this is the most i was going to use this movie actually as an answer to one of our previous questions uh do you think hollywood's running out of ideas and the answer is no because the lobster exists it is a fucking crazy ass movie and i highly recommend anyone who just wants a good laugh and a good ride to go check it out um, the other one is a movie that I know you and I have talked about off air before. Uh a movie that we both really enjoy. Uh you talking about Ben Affleck got me thinking about it, and that was The Town.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, uh currently sitting at seventy four. That's that's a fucking fantastic that's movie. That's
1: a fantastic film. Yeah.
0: Only got nominated for uh Best Supporting Actor for Jeremy Renner. Well Came deserved. A- yeah, well deserved indeed. Uh that's gotta be one of my favorite movies for sure. Like sitting at a seventy four is a travesty. Also, uh a BAFTA a posthumous BAFTA award for the late great uh, Peter Postlewait. He won? Uh or was he nominated? Possulwait was oh sorry, nominated for okay. uh, pos- posthumously nominated for the BAFTA Award for Best Supporting Actor. Thank you for the correction.
1: You bet. Wow, yeah. really I like he was good he was good in that, but like I don't know. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm a big fan I'm a big Pete Postlewait fan though, like don't get me wrong. Anytime he's he showed great. up in a, he's great he's in great everything. In uh, he's really great in that movie. You can obviously see that he's near the end of his life because he looks like shit. Yeah. Uh,
0: I love there's a, there's a part where Ben Affleck walks into his. Uh, so, for those who don't know, it's a bank heist movie. It's really good. It takes place in Boston, as does everything starring Ben Affleck. Um, and Ben Affleck yeah, goes okay. into. He's Not Argo. The, what's that?
1: <laughs> Argo wasn't in Boston.
0: Argo? That's right. Okay. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ben Affleck is a bank robber. And he wants he wants out of the job, um, and he goes to his employer, who's just called the florist, and it's played by Peter Poslawaite, and uh, uh, he basically tells his boss basically tells him to fuck off that he's not getting out of the job and needs him, and he's going to do this job whether he likes it or not. And Ben Affleck comes back at him in a later scene, I think, and says, "Fine, I'll do it, uh, but." Uh, uh, or, Oh, sorry. What I'm trying to say is he uh, he gives him his address. He says, I'm not doing this fucking job. If you got a problem with it, you can come to me at blah, blah, blah street and uh, and I'll, I'll show you what I think of you. And then Peter Pastaway just goes on a fucking rant and tears him apart and tells him that he knows about uh, his little girlfriend that he's been seeing in secret. And he says, but I, I'd hate to send her funeral arrangement to your place, but I will now that I know where to find you (laughs) and it's just such a great little throwaway line that I uh, I really enjoy and I'm probably not doing injustice but you know the movie's fantastic that is a great scene very 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 good
1: well we're down to our last question of the mailbag episode
0: (laughs) that one took an awful long time Uh, is this me or is this you
1: I'll I'll do it yeah sure what's the most important film from the last ten years
0: why don't you lead on this one?
1: <laughs> I have two. Okay. Uh, I have a hard time picking between the two of them, but the more I think about it, I'm probably going to go with the latter. So I'm going to start with the former. Um, my first answer, right off the top of my head, uh, I had to really sit down and think about this, but it um, the first one that came to my mind, it was Avatar. Um, Avatar changed the game. Avatar really took 3D to another level. Um, Visually, it's breathtaking. Avatar is a cinematic experience um, that I will never forget. It's probably in my top five movie-going experiences. That doesn't mean it's in my top five movies, but I remember sitting down there for the first time watching Avatar and being blown away at what I was seeing on screen. I'd never seen anything like it, and actually to this day, I haven't seen anything like it. It's unreal what he can do. Um, James Cameron is such an innovator that he couldn't make this movie until he invented the technology to be able to film this movie. That's the genius of this man. Much like another movie he did that I love, oh fuck, that would definitely be on my underrated list, and that's The Abyss. Um, which is. Have you seen The Abyss?
0: I haven't. I think we've talked about it. We have that.
1: talked about it. Again, know. it's another one that I definitely want you to watch, or I'll be getting you to watch at some point. Um, as I continue to rack this list up, that locks you into staying on this podcast for even longer. Um, yeah.
0: I'm going to be doing this podcast till I'm your age. I know. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll still be alive by the time you're married. Um, Keep drinking Cokes at the rate you are, and uh, we'll be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: using the abyss as an example, uh, the, the abyss is, is a movie it's set on, basically on the bo- almost on the bottom of the ocean. Um, James Cameron invented uh, these cases to film underwater and he invented these under these helmets, these dive helmets, that allowed you to see the actors' faces while inside them. Um, he's invec- he invents technology to be able to keep up with what he wants to be able to put on screen and Avatar just takes it to a whole other level. Um, so that was that was the one off the top of my head. As I sat down and thought about it, um this my next pick is the beginning of something. Um and that's Iron Man. Um Iron Man um was Marvel's attempt to get into the movie business. Um it was Marvel, the Marvel company, had sold off its big names in attempt to stay solvent. Um, they were on the verge of bankruptcy, um, so they sold their film rights to some of their properties. Uh, Spider-Man went to Sony. Uh, all of the X-Men went to Fox, as did the Fantastic Four. Um, so their big names were all taken. Those, those were the big ones. Um, oh, and sorry, and the Incredible Hulk went to Universal. Um, so the they decided to. Who, for those that are you know around Sam's age and stuff um, there was a time that Iron Man wasn't a very popular character and when the movie came out everyone was worried like is this even going to work um, and it was a smash hit and what this did um, is it opened the way to what every other studio is desperately trying to get right now and that's a cinematic universe everybody wants to copy what Marvel has done. But Marvel did it right. They started slow, rolled things out, and built it slowly. Because Hollywood doesn't understand that, they want everything now, now, now. That's why the DC Universe, the DC movies are failing, because they're not taking the time to build everything up. Iron Man is what started the MCU as we know it. You could pick the Avengers, because that's kind of what brought everyone together and really launched this whole thing but Iron Man is where it started. The Iron Man movie is so it is such a great thrill ride it's so much fun Robert Downey Jr. is perfectly cast as Tony Stark um, so for me those are my two picks Avatar um, advanced the technology in ways that we never imagined uh, we saw things that were visually stunning. Again like I said I still have not yet to see anything on the big screen that even comes close to what Avatar did and that's... We're at, what, 10 years? Like, I think I...
0: I haven't seen is 2009.
1: Yeah, so it, it just snuck in there. We're 10 years, and I still haven't seen anything like that on the screen. Um, and then Iron Man began the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it, it's... The MCU is easily... Easily... I, I don't... I, well, I shouldn't say easily, but I, I have a hard time guessing if any other franchise approaches... The dollar that th- that the MCU has garnered. Yes, MCU has twenty films behind it, but you know the last one itself raked in over two billion on its own. Um, they know what they're doing, and Iron Man is the one that started it. So those are my two answers for the most important film from the last two years.
0: Yeah, um, I actually I have both of those on there as well. Uh, slightly different. I have uh, I have Avatar and uh, Avengers because yeah. uh, it, it's like you said, uh, Avengers. In my opinion, while I, I saw Iron Man in theaters, I loved it. It was the beginning of something that every movie studio wants to do, and it reinvented how we wanted to make movies. It wasn't really until Avengers, I think, that we had proof of concept. And it it wasn't only defining for the movie industry as a whole, even though it was. I think it even set the MCU on a course. Uh, it it while Jon Favreau really set the tone for the MCU with Iron Man, it wasn't until the Avengers that we really knew what this thing was going to be. Because if you look at the other Phase One movies, what do we have in Phase One MCU? We have Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America.
1: Uh, do they, and, uh, are they? Are they like? Are they officially including the? Like I know the Incredible Hulk is considered like what happened in that movie is canon in the MCU, yeah. even though it was played by Ed Norton. But I like. Was the Incredib- did The Incredible Hulk come out just after Iron Man?
0: It did, yeah. It did come out just after Iron Man. And I think it's sort of like the bastard child of the MCU. Like, they don't really want to claim it, but it is canon. I enjoyed The Incredible Hulk. I, that's actually one of the few MCU movies I haven't seen.
1: Yeah. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah. You'll, you'll appreciate Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner even more. Not
0: that Ed Norton's bad, but it's, di- it's different. Boy, I bet he really uh, regrets that decision getting out of the MCU. Hey, he no, really- I don't think he does. Yeah. No, no, he's I mean, not. He's not exactly hurting. But-
1: no, it's not. It's not even that he uh, Ed Norton. Ed Norton, from my understanding, um, is extremely difficult to work with because he's extremely controlling. Um, so him to for him to play in a big studio-driven franchise, I think would be next to impossible. He would feel. Um, Creatively stunted, because he wouldn't be able to do the things that he wanted. He was given a lot of freedom on Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I don't think he regrets it at all.
0: Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, you well, know,
1: I I do agree. Like, I, I like I like the point you're making on the Avengers. Yeah. Definitely, uh, I yeah. agree one hundred percent.
0: Iron Man was the one that started it all, but Avengers was the one that showed. That you could have all these separate characters with their own movies and have a coherent plot weave throughout it. Yep, and, and have it make shit tons of money. Yep, that's, that's why I think Avengers. I, I, even though I like Iron Man more than the first Avengers, I uh, I think Avengers was arguably the more important movie.
1: And um, you know what? I I definitely concede that point. I, I like I like your the term you use. The proof of concept is perfect. I I definitely agree. I I. I I rescind my answer and move it over to the Avengers.
0: (laughs) That's fair. Um, I I was trying to come up with some others because I I knew we would both have those answers. Um, As far as filmmaking goes over the last 10 years, there's not. This is a really difficult question to answer in the moment. It's a lot easier. To point in retrospect and say okay this movie was the really important one that inspired this that inspired this but since we're sort of living it it's difficult to say yeah it's, um, it's
1: only it's only like within the last 10 years it's hard to pick like as you said like, like with with time or even like an innovation like we can pick jurassic park because that was the full realization of cgi in a film
0: yes completely but it was difficult to point in that moment and say know this is going to be the future of cinema although i'm sure there are people that were and i'm sure spielberg was when he was making it um as far as other guys who continue to innovate i think james cameron is making really important movies uh, besides avatar um he's going to continue making that franchise and hopefully try to copy the avengers or at least hopefully in his mind um as far as the filmmaking and technology goes i think aleandro in is making really uh, interesting, hopefully important movies that will be inspiring uh, to other filmmakers. I loved just the craft of Birdman and The Revenant. Those ones sort of came to mind for me, but again, they're more recent, and we really haven't seen them have an impact, and I don't even know if they will. Um, they're just, you don't see it?
1: I don't. I, I, I think he will. I think as time goes on, Inurito will be looked upon as a master of his craft. But yes. I, I think we're looking more at him as a sk- uh, overall skills of filmmaker, not the. F- we're talking about a single film, yeah. And so I I don't think, I don't think we're gonna look back on Birdman as an important film.
0: Maybe not, and yeah, you, but you, I understand you're what you're saying. Yeah, it's just, I'm just saying that it's difficult to assess in the moment. Like Avatar was 2009, and Avengers was what year? 2012. <laughs> yeah, around there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, these are. Those are both towards the back end of those 10 years. As far as more recent ones, it's really, really difficult to say. Um, Also wanted to take it just a little bit different direction if we could. Mm -hmm. What about socially important movies? Do you have any sort of thoughts on this? Like movies that are talking about issues that are important now or movies that will have not just an impact on the movie industry as a whole, but an impact on society? Do you have... I'd have two
1: then. And they're both ones from this year and ones from last year. Black Panther and Get Out
0: okay yeah I, uh, I I would agree with those I think uh, I would add to uh, Black Panther probably less so but I think Wonder Woman will prove to be a pretty important movie in the superhero genre at the very least just showing uh again the proof of concept for a female lead um, I and not to mention hopefully the movie that got the DC EU uh, got their ass in gear it was it was, it was quite a good one but I'd say that that is the potential to be looked back on as an important movie, but I'm not totally sure. But yeah, Black Panther and Get Out are good picks. Okay. Um, I also thought... It's sort of sad, because uh, there were there were a bunch of movies that were really important that were just sort of outside of these ten years. Like, I wanted to say Batman Begins, but that came out in 2005, and I wanted to say uh, Brokeback Mountain. I think that also came out in 2005 or 2006. <clears throat> Somewhere around there, anyway. Um, but if you look at a lot of the more movies about social issues recently and about human rights, there's not really a lot that I'm going to point to, I think, in ten years and say that they were important. Like, uh, like the first two LGBT, uh, movies that came to mind of recent years were Call Me By Your Name and Moonlight, and I don't think either of those movies are nearly as important as Brokeback Mountain. I agree. Yeah. I
1: agree. Uh, 100% I agree. I don't think it all comes down to, like, like cultural relevance, yeah. I, I honestly think I don't think we're gonna look back on Moonlight at like as this watershed moment. I don't think we're gonna look back on Moonlight as I, I think in time. I honestly feel like in time, Moonlight is gonna is gonna come down as one of those movies that shouldn't have won Best Picture.
0: I agree with you, and Moonlight again is not a bad movie. No. Nope. And- it, I'm not putting it like with Crash or Shakespeare in
1: Love. Moonlight is a great film. I just don't feel that it was best picture winner.
0: Then again, the movie that I think you and I both think should have won that year, La La Land, came up in a lot of my prep uh for movies that people had as overrated.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, oh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel it was overrated because it plays too much into the old Hollywood mindset. Like mm. if, if if La La Land had been made ten years ago, it would have won Best Picture. It would have been a landslide win for Best Picture. Yes. Um, the new Academy, and I like what they've done um, with the new Academy. They've they open up the doors. They increase the membership. It's more diverse. There's more women um but I uh, unfortunately I feel like because of that it's a lot more political and like I said like I'm happy that Jordan Peel got an Oscar last year but you will not convince me that get out was a better screenplay than three billboards from ebbings Missouri you, you it's impossible the, yeah the dialogue and everything in three billboards is jaw-droppingly sharp and witty and unreal. The idea of get out, like if this was, if, if most this was original yes, screenplay, yes, like we said, if this was most original screenplay, then yeah, it would win, but it's not. Um, but th- again, well,
0: apparently, apparently it is though. That's
1: just my, that's just my opinion. I, I, as shit is it for me to say? I honestly feel that Jordan Peele won because he was black.
0: Yeah, I mean the the Oscars has always been sort of a uh, like a virtue signaling event. It's to an extent, it's like, hey, look how woke we are. Look how look how hip we are at the times, and look how progressive we are. There's always been that aspect to it. And you and I both love the Oscars, yes. both because of and in spite of that. I'm sure. Um, so, I think, yeah, I think if this circles back to Moonlight, that was, uh, was taking the, uh, the wokeness, again, in heavy air quotes, uh, just, just a bit too far. I mean, it absolutely deserved a nomination, it didn't deserve, didn't deserve a win. And then taking it even further back, I don't know if there are any movies that are really as socially important as, say, Brokeback Mountain, which is... I don't know if that could be, should be alarming or if that should be uh, even encouraging. I mean, Brokeback Mountain got there just at the right time. It, I think mm-hmm. it was the right movie at the right time for the issue. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't really know if there's any issues that have been tackled in the last several years by by movies that I would really consider important, unless there's some glaring over. Some glaring mistake. I'm looking over. No, I
1: think we, I think we might find them down the line. Yeah, we need a little bit more hindsight. So, shortening this movie within the last ten years, I, I have to go with a technical aspect or how it changed movie going as a whole. And so, for me, like I said, it's Avatar and Avengers.
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I would I would pretty much echo that. I'd say Avatar and Avengers are uh, are the clear picks for right now and only only time will tell. I wish we could have made it uh fifteen years because then easy broke back mountain and Batman Begins make it. Uh broke Back Mountain because of its Im- its social impact and uh, just how good of a fucking movie it was. And Batman Begins because of how much it changed the superhero genre. Yeah. But for now we will keep it to Avengers and Avatar, I guess we can agree on that. Yep.
1: So that wraps up our mailbag episode.
0: Yes, coming into the Cool two hours and some change.
1: Yes, I know. I just checked. I was like, holy shit.
0: You, definitely... <laughs> you and I have just missed talking to each other so much that we just kept going. It's been too long, man. It has been too long. It has long. been too long. But now I've got my fix for a week. I need to go to bed. That's true. <laughs> um,
1: so before we sign off here, a rom- uh, reminder to everyone to remember to please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Please give us a five-star rating. Uh, Leave us a review as it will increase our profile and help get us some more listeners. Um, Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, Spotify. Uh, Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. We'd love to hear from you. If you guys have any feedback on today's episode, we would love to hear any of your guys' answers on any of the questions that we went on. Uh, I'm surprised if anybody's even still listening after two plus hours. I know that Mushhead definitely is not. She hates that we talk for so long, so it's the reason that she is not a loyal listener. So fuck you, Mushhead. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Did I think I missed anything? No, I don't think I missed anything. No,
0: it's. Uh, I, I think we nailed it. I think both of our voices and minds are tired. And it's uh, <laughs> time for the, the classic sign-off. All right.
1: So for the Samuel Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel.
0: I'm too tired to come up with something clever to say and I'm Sam Rammer.
1: <laughs> Adiós.